0: Hey there, Jean Grey. This is Enosh.
1: Hey, Enosh, This is Steven. Steven, uh, I know who Jean Grey is. Why are you Jean Grey? (laughs) I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget. Um, And I knew I'd forget to... I was feeling uninspired this week, so I went with the first thing that occurred to me. There's a quote. uh, I unlocked passion magic by sitting there and getting riled up enough that I could move things with my mind. And that made me think of Jean Grey from X-Men.
0: Excellent. Yeah,
1: nothing particularly insightful there.
0: Yeah, good name choice though.
1: Yeah, it works. It does.
0: So, Stephen, what are we doing here?
1: Oh yeah, you know, I'm glad you reminded me to ask to say that because I always forget. Um, this is our podcast. Not everything is a clue. Where we talk about Alexander, what web- Alexander Wales web serial. Say that three times fast. Um, worth a candle. Okay, yeah, Alexander Wales web serial worth the candle. And I, I won't say it three times, but. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> soon uh, coming to an audio. Soon coming to an audiobook near you. Not just audiobook. Now
0: the ebook is available at Amazon as well for pre-order. Nice. Yeah. So fucking that's awesome. Congrats to to um, Alexander Wales, and we're going to be putting a link to that up as well because that's amazing. We, we should all buy at least one copy of this thing if we have been enjoying it because it's only fucking four dollars for uh for the ebook. Yeah. Y'all, y'all can throw him four bucks, right? Throw him four bucks. Yeah. I'm Speaking just... of throwing money places, uh we have a Patreon you can use to support us and we kick back fifteen percent of that to Alexander Wheels. And he also has a Patreon where you can support him if you would like to do a more ongoing support rather than a, a one time purchase.
1: Yes. Or both now yeah. what I'm curious about is I'm guessing this Kindle version is just the first three books through the through adversity, right?
0: Yes. Okay,
1: that checks yeah. it out. This is not the whole thing. Well, fun. Yeah, no, I'm super into it. I'll leave the page open. I'll buy it after the thing. I'm stoked for him. You know, I we got to check something with the legal release here because mm-hmm. he mentioned that uh, hobbits weren't public domain, mm-hmm. and I think he uses he sees hobbits in the inn before they meet Grack, which isn't the first three books. So I wonder if he swapped it out with halflings. Oh, interesting. I don't know. There's only one way to find out people. We got to buy this book. That's right. Other than that, I had another random thought uh when I was reading this week. Remember when it was either when he saw his his true character sheet. Um I think it was either when he first went into his soul or when he was at soul level 100. Um but he mentioned that he saw his true name, which he won't repeat here. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I I wonder if the true name was Alexander Wales oh ho ho that would be a hell of a clue that was just the you know random paranoid you know like ooh what if this that that was my thought this week yeah it's a good
0: thought well we'll see yeah
1: maybe we'll find out his true
0: name maybe we can you know find alexander wales and tie him down until he gives us the answer
1: (laughs) maybe it's in this epilogue thing that you know or the whatever sequel thing this used to be about dungeons maybe it's in that so. Oh, that'd be cool. I'm not, I don't think they're related. I don't I mean, think the names the are semi similar, you know, eh, maybe they are.
0: Well, I'll ha- we'll have to ask someone who's, who's reading this used to be about dungeons. Or we'll just have to read it when we get there. One of those two things or both of them. <laughs> we could actually do both.
1: We, we could, there's nothing stopping us.
0: <laughs> All righty. Well, speaking of nothing stopping us, it seems like there's something stopping June. Should we get forward with that?
1: Yeah, he's got a, a deal with two dragons in chapter 170 on treating with dragons. Yes, he does. He starts out with a cool talk from his dad. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's funny because... It... So here's the thing. Whenever I came back from my game of D&D, my dad would always ask me whether I'd killed any dragons. I found this deeply unfunny, both because I was almost always the DM and thus not in a position of killing dragons, and because dragons figured only into one of every 10 games, if that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I get that, like it's you know his dad's out of touch, uh, but this this is just like the the meme like "Are you winning, son?" um uh, <laughs> and I, yeah. I, th- I thought it was cute, and <laughs> you know the fact that he asks him, "Hey, did you kill any dragons?" and he's like, "I found this unfunny because he doesn't know the game we're playing, dragons." Meh. And like mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just like a, a nerdy debacle, and uh, uh my wife does that once in a while if I'm playing video games she'll lean in and be like are you winning son because she gets the meme (laughs) (laughs) and she says son (laughs) yeah usually that's fantastic maybe she she, i think once in a while she says son or maybe it's just most of the time it's just are you winning but we both know the what the reference is yeah Um, but anyway I, i liked that quote it it was so adorable that i almost forgot i was being blue balled about the dragons that just showed up so it is really it was really fun I
0: yeah. am. Oh, I'm glad that D, uh, June didn't use overuse his dragons or anything. I'm pretty sure that uh, I've never actually fought a dragon in a tabletop game. I'm, I'm scouring my brain, like I know that I've interacted with dragons before, but never like in a fight. And you know, I, I think that's appropriate in large part because I've never played a tabletop game long enough to get to the the height of the levels that you would need to be to actually possibly face down a dragon. And you know. Like fighting a dragon when you're level three or something, you can only win by cheating, and that's lame. So, whatever, don't do that. Yeah, that I'm makes glad sense. my DMs had some respect for for the majesty and power of dragons. I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, like they could throw some baby dragon at you when you're at level three, but then it's kind of like you know, it's not fun to beat up a baby Captain America, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? I don't know. It depends on what you consider fun. Yeah, he'd give you a run for your money, but still. yeah
2: but then
0: we we get a whole bunch of world building with the dragons and the dragon confederacy and how they don't really work very well because dragons are solitary creatures and so forth and i really enjoyed all the world building i thought it was super tight and um i i i I don't want to say that more work should do this because every work has their own thing and some people just Aren't into this, and it's not important to their story. But I like it when it does appear in stories like this, which is why I am into ratfic. I guess so. Three cheers for ratfic! Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't read enough to like have a good comparison for like bad world building, but I don't feel like it would ever detract from a story. Like he could have go way way too into it, you know. Like I don't want mm-hmm. two thousand words on the history of dragons, but um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I found that I found this enriching of the of the background, right? Like, none of it yeah. matters yet. Like, oh, they're kind of solitary. You know, they united in this confederacy thing kind of out of necessity because they're on the verge of extinction. Like, none of that really comes into play. Not yet. And it might mm-hmm. never. But, like, it's just a cool thing to know about them. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We find out a lot of things about them, too. Like, oh, for yeah. example. <laughs> they're, they're just, they're they're overpowered just kind of in every metric. Um, mm-hmm. They... I think June says they have water sight just because, uh, mm-hmm. and Dragonfire is impossible to basically impossible to ward against. They're stupidly strong and dexterous, best hearing, best eyesight. They're gigantic. They're not merely big. I think like the one had a three hundred foot wingspan. Um, oh, also there are time dragons, void dragons, sand dragons. If I say dragons too much, I'll get somatic <laughs> cessation and I won't be able to say it anymore. So, but there are a lot. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What is what is the technical term for that? Uh semantic cessation. Did I say it wrong before? Neat. Oh, I no, I sematic. don't know. I I don't know what semantic is. Semantic cessation. Okay, is, cool. Yeah, where you say words so much that it stops sounding like a word. Yeah. Neat. Uh, wait, did I say cessation? Uh satur- semantic saturation. Okay. I think. Well. That, well I said it wrong four like... times. Good luck, everybody. Um <laughs> one of those is probably right. Yeah, or some combination thereof. Anyway, mm-hmm. I had to list out some of those dragons because a lot of them sound like the air terrors, right? The void thing in particular. Um, mm. Dream dragons. I know that there was a dream monster at some point, and like maybe oh, there's like a king of dreams or something, lord of dreams. Yeah, no,
0: that's a good point. Anytime you have a yeah a thing like that, a a different essence, different
1: plane, the the entity in charge of it, you could swap it out for dragons if you wanted. And I guess. He's talking about the kind of dragons that appeared in D&D, not the kind that are here on Airb. Yeah. I get the feeling we just have big, stupidly op lizards on Airb. Yes. Okay. Uh, that is no, the impression no time I get dragons as well. void dragons here. All right.
0: I mean, the void beast doesn't sound like it needs any dragons. No. Maybe the <laughs> Lord of Dreams has, like, some dream dragons on his side too, but uh, m- maybe, like, he will make you dream of dragons?
1: If you get dreamed of dragons, then you get dragoned in real life. I don't know. awesome (laughs) all right so we we get some some uh oh yeah they're up there just circling menacingly right
0: yes and uh one of amaryllis's relatives shows up sweet william pendrig um it turns out that he is the one that's going around and collecting money for the violations uh, and this this is really great. Uh, he's like Sweet William is his name. And apparently he's like kind of a pushover and not, not really a great, uh, not a strong armor in, a, in, in any sense. And Amarillo says that if he's the one going around collecting money, the dragons probably don't give a wet shit about air supremacy in the abstract. <laughs> they specifically, those two are here because they have an excuse to cut loose and burn a bunch of people to death, like in the old days. Or because they have business with us and the airspace violation is a nice pretext that allows a bit of squeeze. So basically what we're getting is that dragons generally don't care about air supremacy. It's just a thing they can use to flex when they want to. And they want to right now. They want something about June. So that violation was a perfect excuse for them. And I just wanted to say that like this sort of thing... I know we were, you were saying earlier, oh, politics, blah, blah, blah. It's so boring. I hate it. But like, I thought this was really interesting and fun. And like, now I'm excited about these dragons coming down and burning shit to death. And all all, all this stuff, I
1: I consider it to be fun and cool. And I was wondering if you felt the same way. No, you did a good job selling it here. So kind of like last week when I won the war on puns, um, (laughs) like I think, uh, and I'm being tongue in cheek, but, um, you know, when I was thinking politics, I was thinking the—I don't know—oh, uh, we're gonna sit and watch these people argue about who gets to run this part of the Council of Leo or, or whatever. And like, you know, if they're gonna do their own thing over there and we're never gonna see them again, I don't care. But what you're mm-hmm. talking about is Slytherining, and that's super fun. <laughs> so I. The reason I, brought I didn't up the realize thing, that you didn't know that slithering was politics. Well, I I guess I didn't I didn't realize you didn't know puns were jokes. You know, it's like oh. that, that's, why, that's, that's why I brought it up, right? It's like yeah. depending on, depending on what handle you put on it. Like you didn't tell me romance was good character development or good character moments. Um, right. So yeah, I I think politics. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a drag. I think it's mostly because uh, most of the politicking in books that I've read is like government level politics and yeah. you know for example i don't think i brought up wheel of time in a few weeks um the politicking and that was so boring oh, and no. like the only fun part was like at the end of the day the the protagonist is like look i'm the the guy who's you know prophesied to save and then destroy the world y'all are going to do whatever the, whatever the fuck i tell you to do like mm-hmm. once in a while he would do that it was you know it was awesome um was he, he just like, ran out of patience what, was he the ruler of a country or something uh, he ended up ruling, I think, most or all of them by the end, because he needed to get everyone united to fight in the last battle. Um, okay. Yeah, so he, you know, but as he's now, bossing his way around, you know, he's arguing with a bunch of nitwits, and, it, you know, he just eventually just like, all right, fuck you guys, just do what I say, or I'll blow you all to bits, right? Uh, I mean, maybe he should have just led with that one.
2: <laughs> Although
1: yeah, it's always nicer to have people willingly on your side. I think that's that might be it, and I, it's been a while since I've read them at this point that I can't remember how often or how quickly he retreated to that but Mm -hmm. um it also started you know random farm boy you know background so the uh immediately jump to i will kill you if you don't do what i say probably wasn't his first thought um Mm -hmm. but anyway yeah no the the politicking seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun because now it's just like uh you know lucius malfoy versus harry you know with Quirrell and dumbledore and all this uh Conniving and, and plotting like this is super. Yeah. Ex- that that's right up my alley. Oh, excellent, uh, excellent. Call it politics if you want, but no, this this is just <laughs> this is cunning warfare. I,
0: I guess so. yeah. I guess the big big problem is that ninety percent of everything is crap, and so you know when most of the romance you're exposed to is crap, and most of the politics is crap, then you start to get a bad feeling about them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it can be done well.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I. I you know, if, if 90% of everything is crap, I mean, 90% of this book is crap. I think it's 90% of stuff, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. want to nitpick, but I, I bring that up because uh, I feel like, you know, the, obvi- the, the cool stuff we read is the exception to all those rules. Um, I really hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I, That's I why say, I like reading it. Right? So Sweet <laughs> William seems like such a nice guy that mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure his story will probably come to a gruesome end with him stapled to the wall by hyacinth's goons or something right either um, that or like he he ends up having to horribly betray them in some way
0: because his wife is being held hostage or and then amaryllis has, kill, has to kill him in revenge I don't know
1: something oh man yeah mm-hmm. yeah if, if hyacinth really wants to fuck with him uh with the council especially with amaryllis then if she knows that they apparently have some background then yeah she'll put amaryllis in a situation where she has to kill william just to fuck with her
2: oh
0: well,
1: well. Well, we will see as we, uh, move forward. Rooting for Uh, you, bud. Hope hope you make it sweet, William. You seem nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's just, he's just in over his head. (laughs) Yeah. He's got sweet in his name. I mean, come on. (laughs) It's gotta be good.
0: Uh, the, the giant lumbering monsters with immense power are holding that power over June's head as a threat. And, uh, June says he really, really hates that. He has to dance to their cues. And I, uh, I, he says, I hated being in this position, and I am totally with him. Like, this is a thing that always pisses me off, and it's always a way to really reliably get me on the side of the protagonist in a novel, and to get me to want them to start punching things. So I I don't know if um, Alexander Wales knew he was writing for me, or if I'm just, (laughs) like, very typical of of readers of fantasy, but this was, uh, this stoked my outrage at being powerless, and now I want to see these dragon fuckers burn for their just casual tyranny and arrogance. You know, same reason I, I hate nobles often. And like the thing I'm really excited about now is that I kind of expect to have that desire fulfilled in this story. Maybe not directly by killing these dragons, but in, in some way there's going to there's going to be a and's coming. I, I got a feeling and maybe
1: it'll cost him a lot. But I'm I'm so here for that and I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, it sounds like he stands to make a lot of money if he kills the right dragon. Um... They throw out some numbers that it's like, what, $20 billion or some shit? Uh, well, it costs $20 billion to kill one,
0: but I'm not sure if that is what you get if you kill one. It's not like there's a bounty.
1: Well, yeah, but like if it costs that much and somebody wants one dead and you're like, I'll do it for half that, right? <laughs> right? So he's got just got to find the right person. Yeah, he's got to find somebody who wants a dragon dead and be like, okay, I know you've been saving forever. How about I just do it for a fraction of the price and then we get to watch him kill a dragon and solve all their money troubles in one uh, badass fight. Um, and that's
0: true but you know if he starts going around trying to shop for dragon slaying patronage <laughs> the dragons are gonna hear about it
1: <laughs> yeah they're uh they seem to have their uh their ear to the ground in a lot of places that like you would think oh I'm a dragon I'm gonna go hang out my mountain and leave you mortals to do whatever, whatever you want right but uh no and they, the they dra- seem to be in the loop on stuff
0: yeah I think the dragons um,
1: that just hung out in their mountains maybe didn't live to be a thousand years old that's a good point but yeah I it's funny, like, you mentioned that, you know, oh yeah, fuck these giant, you know, tyrannical dragons. Like, well, it's not their fault they're huge, right? But they do <laughs> flex their that about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and powerlessness is a theme lately and through these these chapters, so that was a good call-out. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, any I maybe mean, it is just every fantasy thing that has the powerlessness thing, right? You've got the Emperor, you've got Sauron, you know, it's yeah it's not what what can we do against this overwhelming force well we're not gonna you know meet it head on and punch it in the face right Mm -hmm. yeah okay cool but i can dig it yeah
0: um he does say that uh these dragons are very big intimidating and he could feel his heart beating faster but it wasn't quite as much fear as i had expected i had after all killed mumrath and I, I just want to <laughs> point out to June that like Mumrath was kind of like an avalanche. It's just this giant lumbering thing around, and like this dragon is actually focused on you and may want to attack you directly a- as as a target of special interest. And it's intelligent. Like Mumrath was more of a a force of nature. And sure, hurricanes are big and scary, and and it's hard to fight them. But
1: they don't they don't go after you personally. You know. Yeah, Mumrath, like like a. I like the avalanche and hurricane example. You know, dragons are a lot more like dragons. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't get too big for your britches, June. Um, I mean, well, that said, you know, my heart wasn't beating faster when it came charging in because he's got narrative plot armor right here. Like, I bet Amaryllis was totally comfortable this whole time. Yeah. Like, she, she knows that, like, I mean, other than, like, the political ramifications that are, like, you know, impending. Mm-hmm. But she knows that, their story doesn't come to an end with, you know, a dragon coming in and annihilating them like that. That wouldn't be fun.
0: No, that wouldn't be fun. But I think June later on in the chapter says something along the lines of if I would had to, you know, and they started attacking and I was losing, I could like warp out of here or something, but it would probably cost me my companions, maybe all of them. It would cost me the Republic of Minun. Min, Minun. I don't know. Like he, he might not die. The The DM would be like, yeah, cool, you've used your powers, you got away, but, like, his friends could all be dead, and his he has to start over from, you know, almost nothing, except well, a lot of powers now, but, but you know, it could turn into a John Wick sort of story, where he has to avenge yeah. all the death, and that would suck for Amaryllis.
1: I'm pretty sure like, that... He, he can still lose without dying. I'm pretty sure he would die before the DM killed all of his companions in such a stupid, like, unsatisfying way, right? Um... Uh...
2: Like, because he he'll, he'll,
1: he'll die and go to hell, like, and that, that'll have its own fun thing if he ends up there. I guess what I'm saying is like, he shouldn't be thinking about it this way, because the DM will definitely kill him and his friends if he, right. he starts talking like this, <laughs> but we are safely removed from the story. And I can point out that like, nah, I think you're fine. Like, so, you know, I th- mean, these, these we, dragons aren't going to come in and kill you because that would be so unfun. <laughs> we
0: we know there's a hundred chapters left. So it's not like it's a uh, it's a mystery. The story is going to keep going. But I do think, you know, the slaughter destroy things. It's it's a way this could go.
1: Yeah, it could. I, I don't see a party wipe happening, but I will be uh, interested to, if, if I'm proven wrong. Yeah. OK.
0: All right. Toml is the black dragon, uh, and he's the black dragon, right?
1: Yeah, the other one's gold, and there was okay. some thing with like if they're metallic, they're nice. If they're color, that was in tr- co- yeah, that was in traditional D anD D. It doesn't apply here, I don't think. It also like what if you're gold colored but you're not gold plated dragon? That, that didn't make any sense to me actually. But anyway. if it's you mean, if it's just a yellow, well, I mean, you know, a. a Amber-ish yellow that looks
0: gold. You know, I mean, is it just the color gold, or is it actually a metallic? I I don't know. That's
1: why I don't get the rules. The rules are like metallic.
2: Metallic. Yeah, I, metallic. I, I, I guess from ones. a
1: distance you couldn't tell. Maybe even up close, like is that onyx or is that black paint? Oh no, I'm being stepped on! Like no, no, because um, metal has a distinctly different like sheen. I mean,
0: maybe not like in the dark, you might not be able to tell. But any anywhere there's a light source, a sun, mm. a moon, anything to glint off your scales.
1: You get a glossy, you know, uh, <laughs> what do they call that? that it's like a you clear coat for your nails.
0: They're going to varnish their, their scales. Why not? Well, because then they'd be expected to be good and and they couldn't burn down evil, villages. That's exactly what I'd want people to think. <laughs> <laughs> but then you'd have to act good. And then if you're a shiny, good acting dragon, you're basically just a good dragon.
1: Until you turn in, uh, turn out not to be a good dragon. Mm. No, nope, They would never see it coming. That's a, not wrong, I guess. Maybe all there's right, other well, tests. So I I got the impression that Tommel is here and he doesn't really quite know why. He's like, "Well, you all right, we've we've got some sky law violators. You need some you need some muscle. Fine, I, I'm coming along, right?" Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and, and he, he's like, "Yeah, what, why are you here?" Uh because she she starts needling him or something and she said, "It will be harder to kill two dragons than one." Having you with me increases the chance that I will survive this encounter. And that was like a holy shit moment for me. Because before that, I thought they were just, you know, here to intimidate and bully June. And with that line, I was like, oh my god, they they legit are scared. At least she is putting a decent likelihood on her dying if she comes here alone. And my expectations turned quite a bit there. Like the dragons are apparently not here just to be assholes they understand that june is a threat and are reacting appropriately
1: well at least she is um yes the other one doesn't seem to quite get it No, Uh, i think he's a little dim yeah and i think she's like all right go fly up and do circles and if i die destroy the island right yeah yeah. and he's like all right that i can do and i think she bribes him with like you can have some of my stuff or whatever um but yeah, it yes. described mm-hmm. the dragons when it was giving their long list of like, here's how awesome they are, mm. as not much more intelligent than a particularly clever human, mm-hmm. which, as I read it again, it actually is a solid compliment. My first read on that was like, oh, okay, they're they're not much more intelligent than a, I guess I didn't grok properly the particularly clever human part, yeah. but they're not like super intelligent, right? No, no. Uh, so I, but then this whole thing, I'm like, oh, okay, we're, she's got some 3D chess going on here. Yeah. Um so we're not dealing with just merely angry giant lizards. We're dealing with some mm-hmm. some Slytherins here. Has the chest been downgraded to three D in the modern parlance? Uh
0: L- like I, I think I heard it get up to five D at one point, and
1: maybe someone like went up to six D? I think it'll depend on the situation. Right now this seems like a, a mere three D move.
2: Okay. You know, cool. she,
1: she brought back up so that, you know, she has less of a chance of getting killed. Like you know, that that's not exactly uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a five D. Mo- That's not like um, fucking uh, the Zabini tying the Christmas uh war, right? <laughs> like, yeah, or Dumbledore used- orchestrating that. That was sixty chess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I guess Dumbledores would be sixty.
1: I just, I, I,
0: I sometimes hear the term used in such flippant ways that, I mean, originally it is supposed to be the 3D chess from Star Trek, but like some people are going up to like, oh, just, you know, that was a slight subtle thing. Wow, that was some 7D chess there. And I'm like, that, there's some serious de inflation going on if that was a 7D move. People often exaggerate the
1: size of the D. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, so I had, I had to deliver that joke, but what I was going to say was uh, when you mentioned like they they go up to whatever level, I learned last week that uh, IMDb, uh, the website, you can rate movies on a scale of mm-hmm. 1 to 10. Yeah. Uh, there's one movie that you can rate up to 11. Oh, is it um, the, the
0: the huge in Japan one? This is Spinal Tap?
1: Yes. All right, cool. That, that is where the phrase, it goes up to 11, comes from. Yeah, well, that's it's, really it's, cool that they it's, made It's one exception. more than 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
0: Okay, so um the they're talking the dragons are talking about uh why they're here and particularly not the dragons. Parasov does because Parasov is the smart one. And she says that uh when Uther abdicated, we worked for decades to determine whether or not we could have seen his like coming and how we might determine if he had returned every criterion on our scoring guideline but one has been met and i don't know like i i guess i didn't quite grok just how big a deal not just how big a deal uther was but like when someone like that affects the world how much of an impact it makes for generations down the line and i mean i guess we've used the the example of jesus before and i suppose that's not wrong but like no one here is going around being like, well, how could we have determined whether we could have seen Jesus coming and uh, how might we determine if he has returned? Uh, because I, I guess he wasn't, you know, real enough for that to matter. <laughs> but uh, but like Uther was apparently a really big fucking deal and a lot of people realized it. And I, I, I'm kind of ad- admiring them for how cautious they are. Because we apparently, I guess I used the Jesus example earlier, but like, we can't even get our shit together enough to be prepared for a real pandemic. Like (laughs) this one, we got hit with a softball, and that's great. But like, if we got hit with a real pandemic, I don't know if we would survive that, even though we just had a fire drill version of it. So,
1: congrats to Airbians for being better at thinking than humans are. Yeah, we failed the dress rehearsal for sure. Um, Like, I think there are people who are trying to look for the for tendi- or the pretendings of the second coming of Christ or something right but it's not yeah. clear like how much actual work that that is rather than just like reading the bible um it's but yeah basically so basically whatever is happening in the news that's bad is a sign that Christ <laughs> is here right um but yeah so it seems like any group with like enough long lived participants or um i guess well connected um you know cuz like for the average dirt farming muggle like if Uther comes back, they're just like, well, fuck, I'm probably going to get killed in some quest. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, they've got jobs and whatever food to buy. So like, but you know, the council like that, uh, Heshnel was on and this dragon group, they're like, yeah, this was a big deal. And they, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, Uther was basically an extinction event. Right. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, how could we have seen this coming? And, you know, let's keep our eyes open for that shit going forward. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm with you that I, I, I don't know. I think I'm optimistic. Maybe I just, I don't know if it's unrealistic optimism or whatever, but I would like to think that if the pandemic was the size of two giant Godzillas that was, and it was smashing cities then humanity could actually get its shit together. Um, But maybe not. That's no, I guess that's kind of a
0: good point because the, the, the COVID wasn't, nearly as big a deal as it could have been and and so i I, maybe it's unfair to say that we couldn't get our shit together because a lot of people were like well obviously we don't need all these restrictions as much as everyone's saying and uh that probably made a big difference as to how coordinated the human race actually became when it looked like this was more of a power grab than a uh than an extinction level event so yeah maybe if it was like you know a zombie virus coming people
1: would be like oh shit this is the real thing here well, I was I was actually thinking of like actual Godzilla monsters, like the kind that Uther fought, right? Oh, like, okay. You know, I mean, if if we had a Momrath incident in Japan, like hmm. <laughs> I think that there wouldn't be eighteen months of wringing our hands while we decide whether or not we shoot this thing. Um yeah. now that said, if we had some virus that was running around, you know, with a ninety percent transmissibility rate and a fifty percent mortality rate. Um and a two-week incubation period. Like uh yeah. I I don't know if you'd have people who would just steadfastly insist on going out licking doorknobs and claiming it's all a hoax as they step over corpses to go to the grocery store. Or uh well, that would be a
0: quickly would. self-solving problem.
1: I guess you're right. <laughs> um there is a movie that came out this year called uh Don't Look Up, which is oh, yeah. like a really heavy handed joke about how poorly the pandemic was handled. Um, mm-hmm. but the one sentence summary is this, uh, astronomy PhD student sees a meteorite heading for, or he sees a planetary object. I forget what they're called. She- meteoroid meteor, uh, meteorites coming. They've got like over a year or something or some months. I can't remember, but like they go to the white house and the president's like, okay, well we need our own scientists to look at this. Cause this is bad for my poll numbers. They go to the news and the news is like, oh, well that sure sounds like it'd be a bummer. Anyway, coming up next dogs mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And Then it ends with like, you know, people in the streets with flags that are like, don't look up. Because at this point, you can see it with the naked eye. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a little heavy handed. But if you you take the, it doesn't try and take itself too seriously. So it gets away with it. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that great of a movie, but it, uh, especially because you walk away with it, walk away from it thinking like, this isn't impossible. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a bummer. I, Um. yeah,
0: I agree. It was, it was a little too farcical, I thought. But, uh, you know, it was, it was all right to watch.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think mainly it just kind of like at the end of it, I'm like, I find this disappointingly plausible, <laughs> and I don't feel good about that. Yeah, I, I like to recommend things I can feel good about. Um,
0: oh. I, I found, I found the scene where like at the last minute they uh, abort all the nukes because you know just a few seconds ago the guy came in and was like, actually we could make a lot of money here. I found that one to be terribly implausible. Like he would have to have shown up and pitched that at least days in advance, like a last minute thing like that. I don't think would ever get aborted.
1: Um,
0: yeah, probably. Yeah.
1: But it, I mean, yeah.
0: So anyway. it works as a farce, but
1: yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll dissect that movie another time. I was going to, um, go on about it, but I got to restrain myself because, mm. um, I forgot to mention earlier on that, uh, June was taking Amaryllis's how to talk to God's lessons seriously. <laughs> so he's yeah. being all polite. Um, and, oh, so like you said, um, uh Persev, yes, uh had said that every criterion on our scoring guideline but one has been met. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to know what this one is, because obviously you want it to be, you know, you brought it to my attention by phrasing it that way. And mm-hmm. um Jude doesn't ask because, you know, he doesn't want to be implied, but Amaryllis, thank God, steps up and you're great. So what's the missing criterion? And mm-hmm. the answer, new magic. Um So I don't remember any stories yet of Uther having invented magic. Uh, I don't either. And I don't think that June has invented any magic. Um, you know, he synergized some in new ways, but maybe not like first-time-ever ways. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think spirit magic counts. So yeah. the only thing I could think of was Val's ability to kill infernals. Oh, that is a very good thought. I think that totally counts. But I wonder, yeah, I guess, you know, new magic... It doesn't necessarily say that Uther did it, right? Oh, you know, like how skin magic was for Everett? Yeah. Um, Maybe skin magic came around when Uther showed up. Oh, that could be. So if if that was the case, then, you know, it could be that the new magic just has to come around, doesn't have to belong to Uther, right? I wonder if this means
0: that, like, somehow Val can get her her demon murdering ability out into the uh, other... The other um, non-anima, although probably not based on what we saw in the uh, extended library or the infinite library. Probably not. And
1: like, she's got game perk shenanigans, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I was just wondering if maybe, you know, um, the skin, what was his name again?
1: Oh, Everett. You're right. Because he, skin magic was learnable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, maybe it was invented for
1: him, but somehow, you know, it leaked into the rest of the world or something. Yeah. That's a good point. I guess we'll keep our eyes open. See if yeah. him, oh, I guess, huh. If he hasn't invented magic yet, um a new magic, that is, that means that we should keep our eyes open for an opportunity for him to do something crazy that, like, if only I could do this impossible thing. And then, boom, he does something, you know, that was up until yeah. that point impossible. But we should definitely keep our eyes out. I mean, I get the feeling it'll be hard to miss. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a good right. point. <laughs> Paris have asked if you, if you should find the man who has been missing for oh so long, what then? And June says, We have unfinished business. Probably ask him a lot of questions and do some yelling. Oh, he thinks that. Um, but he says, We have unfinished business. He has the secrets to the universe. And first of all, what a casually badass thing to say. Oh, yeah, Uther and I, we've got some unfinished business. Like, hmm. are you not going to pretend for a second to be, like, not the next god uh, in front of this dragon? You know? You know right. Right? But also, at, do, ask him a lot of questions and do some yelling and I swear to god I will slap June if he yells at Arthur unless Arthur's being a dick first yeah that's I, I don't think that I, any of Arthur's transgressions warrants June yelling at him the first thing they see um, you know unless he's felseed right yeah but even then I'd still be like dude what the hell
0: you know I well I, I you know I guess maybe yelling was a bit of an overstatement on his part here because what he did to um to the house. God, why are none of my head brains working today? Uh Kumduna, uh Bethel, there we go. Uh the the various violations of Bethel's personhood with the shoving of vent heads in there, I think probably is is something to get mad about, but also yeah, you know, probably not right off the bat. Like
1: first bring it up and ask him what's what's up with that dude.
0: Well maybe they may yelling
1: after. And yeah, exactly. I'd ask him is you know his explanation. Hey so you've been here for thirty years, it must have been pretty fucked up, right? Like, I get it how once in a while you've got to do terrible shit to stop more terrible shit. I don't know. I'm super sympathetic. Like, I get yeah. he tortured a thing that asked not to be tortured. But, like, he had been through a lot. And this this kind of thing probably needed to happen once in a while. So, yeah. uh, anyway, I'll I'll defend Uther until I literally have no leg to stand on. <laughs> um, he asks, uh, June asks, what's your horde? And apparently dragons hoard different things. I thought it was gold for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says well i'm asking because i might have something to offer you and she says stories and he's he nods or he says he says stories and he's trying to not to smile but i just see him like nodding and smiling like okay yeah i i think we can reach an arrangement like mm-hmm. i happen to be real good at stories mm-hmm. and have access to a whole bunch <laughs> um so clearly a match made in heaven or that- by dm shenanigans
0: I mean, DM, shen- DM shenanigans are basically heaven, right? Since DM is God, <laughs> that
1: makes sense. So yes, literally a match made in heaven. That's right. But now they have a now they basically have a dragon friend. Take that cousin plant name. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say friend yet. Me either, because June forgets how leverage works, and <laughs> Perseph immediately threatens him with death unless he goes her ten stories right now. Yeah, and um, like <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, man, you 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 need to. I mean, I don't know exactly how I would have leveraged the situation, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I wouldn't this 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 obviously and this is awesome too. Parasev is ahead of him on this. She's like, you know, we need to work out a different arrangement because otherwise I could just threaten you for more stories and you'd have to keep delivering them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like this this is not gonna be sufficient. So I'll give you a quest. We'll get there later. Um Mm -hmm. like I wanna talk about the Dragon Nose Earth stuff a considerable amount.
0: I thought that was huge okay good so it's not just me they're talking about the stories and stuff and she asks him from earth and like my jaw dropped and i was like jeez this must be what it's like to all the people when june just casually drops massive bombs on them it's just like out of the blue from earth I'm like holy shit she knows about earth do all the dragons know about earth is it just what what's going on here like it was a thing yeah
1: No, I'm with you. I mean, it seems like she has more inside scoop on stuff Uther did than the average dragon. I mean, the only other one we've met doesn't seem to... Like, he didn't even know that Uther did a, you know, some light genocide. genocide? Yeah, Um, yeah. So, like, I doubt it's that well known. But yeah, Mm -hmm. and, you know, does she think that Earth is a real place? Does she know it's, like, another part of the Matrix? Is she aware of the nature of her reality? Um, Hmm. Does she think it's like another plane, you know, like Infinite Library or the Plane of Fire? Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, Uther had an NTAD that let him take steal stories from Earth. Um, Wait, no, I thought he had an NTAD that let him copy books or make books or something. June says, I have an NTAD that can re- recreate books from Earth. And she says, the same NTAD that Uther had? Question um, mark. Oh, maybe she maybe she thought that Uther had an NTAD that could do that. Didn't realize that it was because he was dream skewered. Oh that's possible. I like that. You know, Uther wrote the books himself, right? Mhm. Um Amaryllis Hands the Dragon, you know, books with what ISRB is that the the you know, with all the the tagging and stuff on it of that says this is from Earth, right? Yeah. Um so anyway, super curious how this dragon knows about Earth. What exactly it thinks Earth is, what it suggests about its own reality. I don't know what else to make of that. Um you know, it knows that Uther stole Earth Stories through one way or another. Um but I don't is know.
0: It? Hold on a sec. I'm thinking maybe it's not ISRB. I think ISRB sounds right.
1: Now I want to Google this. Do it.
0: Mm.
1: ISBN. ISBN, that sounds better. Mm. ISRB is your uh basically your credit score. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, I just I got nerd sniped there. Uh, back back to what we were saying. What were we saying? No, no, that's important. I, <laughs> I totally get the uh the impulse, and I'm glad I now have a, have a word for it, nerd sniped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like have you seen Star- that
0: XKCD with nerd
1: sniping? No, I haven't. Oh my god, okay. I'll, I'll have to link it to you. It's great. Perfect. Okay, so the dragon says, no, no, th- this isn't the way to do it. I don't think that bribery is the way. Instead, let me give you a quest. And mm-hmm. to call it a quest seems a little you know, on the nose. Because um, <laughs> he already has this exact quest. Well, he already has this quest, but to use the the vernacular quest, right? Not, I'm going to give you a job, or I'm going to going to give you a mission.
2: Eh, they're,
0: they're, I mean, she's over a thousand years old, and she comes back from the fantasy times when people use the word quest more often, right? Like, Dumbledore yeah. says he's giving Harry a
1: quest, and he talks that same kind of way. Dumbledore is acting like his life runs on story logic, though. Yeah. Which it does, um, kind of but <laughs> I is, guess technically literally it does since he's in a story. Right. But does Paris have no that her right, her life runs on story thinking? Well, um, apparently she collects stories.
0: So maybe she's like always in a story oh, mind frame anyway.
1: That's right. She's a connoisseur of, of stories. It okay. Is yeah, her quest is a very common phrase in that parlance. Okay. That makes sense. I, I guess I had, i entertained briefly the idea that the DM was at least two different people this reading. Um, the and one oh. was maybe this dragon.
0: Oh, that, see, that could be cool, though. That could work.
1: Yeah, He's just here to fuck with June a bit. Yeah, exactly. It would be just to fuck with him, because it's like, no, he's being too brazen with his mentions of things he shouldn't know. Unless right the DM's Earth just and- fucking with him. Right? Oh, nice, yes. Like, you know, the the dragon could have said something about June's past, right? But then he's the DM could be like, no, no, that's too over the top. I'll, I'll rein it back <laughs> into a little yeah. bit. Um, and it's not clear to me, why she wants Captain Blue in the bottle dead. Uh, she didn't say. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, too, because, you know, he killed zombies five minutes after he got here. Yeah. No doubt he's got some cool zombies that he keeps to himself, right? Yes. The elite sniper zombies. But this sounds totally doable. Uh, maybe he's got like a,
0: a zombie magic that can slowly zombify you the closer you get. To his exclusion zone, or something, or to the center of it—I don't know. Like it's an exclusion zone, man. There's all kinds of shady
1: shit that could be happening. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go through the list again, and we don't know much about most of the things on the list. But I feel like some of them aren't that scary. I mean, yeah. I get why they're excluded. You know, there's—you know—skin uh, magic was excluded, right? Yes. Um, it, you get excluded just because you cheated. Yes. You know, <laughs> That's so what like, it sounds like it doesn't mean that you, you know, are necessarily overwhelmingly impossible to defeat it's just like okay yeah you're you're if this got everywhere it would ruin this ruin the game so fuck yeah, off but, with that but if it's if it's not a big deal then the other nations would have already taken care of it right or maybe even this dragon would have taken care of it because she seems to want him dead that's a really good question what the hell okay yeah, never mind you're up unless this is a test and not a quest because mm. uh, because if if the dragon can't do it then okay, yeah, my estimates of how hard this guy will be to kill just went up by like a million. Yeah. Because apparently when they're done destroying a country or a, or a city, you don't like walk through the remnants of a city. you like be like, oh, wow, look at this flat, barren wasteland. Yeah. Like th- there's not even remnants left, right? So by a test,
0: you think maybe it's like stick him on Captain Blue in the bottle, but then it turns out he's actually a misunderstood hero. And the test is to see if June's going to realize that or June's going to kill him. <laughs>
1: I was thinking that the test is, can you kill this thing? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's another way to do it. Yep. Yeah. And it might also be like, Uther went around doing this sort of thing all the time. This will help demonstrate if you're the next Uther. Yes, but then that's even more reason.
0: Oh, no, no, right. Because if he really is the next Uther, then she'd be like, okay, yeah, trying to kill him would be stupid
1: because he's just going to Uther me to death. That's a good point. Yeah. um Yeah. So you're one step ahead, which means that that's probably where she was, right? Um, <laughs> I I, 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 so. had thought, I hadn't thought that many steps ahead. I was just thinking that uh, okay, I'm curious if this guy's the next Uther. uh Go kill this and go kill this exclusioned guy, and if you can, then that'll be evidence, right? Yeah, um, or just to test his metal, you know? Yeah. For the real quest you, that's coming up, who knows? Oh,
0: and if you die along the way, well, problem solved anyway. Then
1: yeah, good point. Win win. Yeah. Um, so you
0: said you thought two potential people might be the DM.
1: Yes, I'll save the next one. Oh, okay. I'll um, wait. The, uh, they get an arbitrary timeline of two months, which luckily leaves them with the extra month still of having uh, whatever, all of his skills decked out. Um, mm-hmm. So, cool, you know? Yeah, yeah that uh, was a good chapter. Yeah. He, he's like, oh, I don't know. I guess completing the first of our 13 Horrors quests is going to happen sooner than I thought. Um, mm mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know how long he planned on sitting on that quest, but as long as they've got some downtime, I'd say they get out there and knock out some other things on the list. I bet he gets XP per Doris, right? I mean, if he wants to level huh. up some, just I would just go through the Doris zone with uh um you know, straps to the to the teeth with unicorn bones. Oh and he's got Mom rat bones. Yeah. Which makes him anti mimetic when he uses them, which I'm assuming makes him You know, basically undetectable unless you're a dragon because they also can see through that shit. (laughs) I think with the fact that uh, Doris can just endlessly
0: re, you know, copy herself, I don't think any of the Dorises would be worth any XP except like maybe the original or or the last one or whatever. Because otherwise, like he could just set up a deal with Doris where like I'll come by and murder you know ten thousand of you today, get ten thousand
1: XP, just rinse and repeat tomorrow. I mean, once you exploit something, it stops working, right? yeah but up until that point you're right maybe it maybe it wouldn't be it it, i guess you're right unless there's some stupid number of points per quest completion or something um it can't even be one point per doris because that'd be almost 10 million points yep and so yeah okay that makes sense
0: anyway yeah moving on to the next chapter then Blood Blood? is Thicker Than Water,
1: which is now a very funny chapter title. (laughs) It's cool, like, going back and reading it afterwards, which I usually forgot to do back in the day. I usually forget to do them until we actually sit down to record, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, so they, that was the start of their day. (laughs) They still have (laughs) other stuff. Um, So, he's thinking about some of the difficulty of some of the quests. Like, do they scale? He was thinking about how things went with uh, um, speculation and scrutiny Mm -hmm. and I, I guess my thoughts on that are there's definitely some version of this going on the scaling thing right like he got god botherer god botherer three hours after arriving arriving on arab so yeah but i think
0: that one is just like he couldn't do it at low level like i still don't know if he can
1: get to get a meeting with the gods or whatever yet yeah so it, it's not impossible that like he got assigned quests that like he isn't equipped to handle yet yeah um that's not how i that's not how most of the games I play do it unless like it's the campaign quest. Right. Um, you know, I think uh breath of the wild, like you've got the, the chief quest from the beginning of the game, which is like save Zelda. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't, it's in inadvi- it's ill-advised just to run straight to the castle and try and save her. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. So it, it's possible. I, I, I think that it, um, he probably couldn't have done it when he got there. So it probably had some level. I don't know. The the other thing that I wanted to bring that out for, just because it was a good segue into this next thing. He was thinking that, uh, quote, for another thing, there wasn't any obvious mechanism for the quest to get any harder since the exclusion zone was at relative equilibrium, as most exclusion zones tended to be. It was a hellscape, sure, but it wasn't a hellscape that was worsening, at least not on a human timescale. And I disagree. There's at least one obvious mechanism by which they could scale. You you plant some NPCs in there who are proficient in the excluded magic, right? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming the Captain Blue in the bottle is proficient at the excluded magic, right? Yeah. And he's probably uh, appropriately difficult for whatever level June happens to be at when he gets there. Gotcha. God, I always
0: hate it when games do that. It makes the entire. It completely defangs the leveling process because the whole point of leveling is like, you know, you get stronger, you feel like you are progressing and accomplishing shit and if every time you progress the enemies progress as well it's like why why am i even getting xp everything is going to stay the same difficulty there's later zones that it can go in now because
1: they don't change in difficulty they, it, the whole thing is dumb i hate scaling because they never do- because the enemies don't start dropping daedric armor until you hit level 20 man oh god no. Okay. but no nah, it's uh i think if you have it scale behind the, the protagonist, but mm-hmm. scale some, because mm-hmm. like, it, I guess it also depends on how open the world is, right? Yeah. Um, God of War is a fairly linear game, uh, and the parts that aren't linear you can come back to later. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are places where you go and you get stomped, you're like, okay, I'll come back and fight this thing later, right? Um, yeah. But the, if, a, if a game is like truly open world, you don't want to just be fucked because you went south first, right? Um, well, I mean, then you can go back north yeah but
0: you might just think that's how hard the game is um, and if you've if you've ever played any sort of game like that before you'd be like oh this is too hard of a zone for me and I should go back
1: or this is Dark Souls <laughs> <laughs> yes or that yeah If so you get to like the, the Firelink Shrine or whatever and that's not what it's called whatever the, the main hub area and if you just go down these stairs you're in this graveyard full of skeletons that are like you just get completely stomped but mm-hmm. there's some of the first enemies you can come across. Oh, shit. And so, and you know, you're like, you know, this is a hard game. So you're like, fuck it. Is this just what I'm supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do it, but it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then yeah. then you get real good. It's true. That said, though, I do think that that is, if I was DMing, you know, like, how hard am I going to make Dr. or Dr. Captain blue in the bottle? He didn't go to captain school to be called doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, do we I, get why he was called that? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. We, we got why the why the Z word is his, mm-hmm. um, but we didn't get why it's blue in the bottle. Maybe it's the part of the logo or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to make him level 10 and just leave him there. Like, so if June goes there at level five, he gets fucked and he gets there at level 30. Then it's going to be a complete cakewalk. No, I want it to be fun no matter when June gets there, right? yeah well i mean the maybe
0: this is why he got the quest right now because the dm was like hmm june's in danger of maybe out leveling this content pretty soon i gotta push him into it fast that's a really cool idea
1: Uh. the only thing there is that it always anytime that we talk about well then the dm uh like if he's off camera leveling up an excluded zone an exclusion zone guy that's one thing Mm -hmm. if he temporarily hijacked a dragon's mouth and brain to make it say go kill captain blue in the bottle <laughs> yeah then, then he's being much more direct on stuff yeah uh, and I, don't wrong that's completely plausible but mm-hmm. it makes me bummed because like how often is he doing that he's doing that to all of his companions all the time is he doing it sometimes was he piloting bethel when she did what she did and then just made her retroactively think it was her idea like yeah i <laughs> there's there's no way not to go crazy thinking about this right
0: yeah yeah like i guess you can't really know until you can talk to him and he says yes or no and then then if he says no you got to decide if you believe him or not so yeah that's that's the infuriating thing about being in a world with an actual omnipotent
1: god yeah and and one who you know has shown himself to have a sense of humor and uh or a sense of humor if not necessarily a good sense of humor (laughs) right and uh you know a propensity to towards uh being flippant when asked questions.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I might actually go crazy. I think so. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we aren't going crazy yet because June has a meeting with the water mage, uh, which she says it went off without a hitch and I unlocked the magic with no further complications. <laughs> Can you imagine that? If something had actually gone right for once and he actually had me for a second with that first line. Yeah. yeah he I, had me there too.
1: It, yeah. Honestly, this is one of the best jokes in the book. Oh, really? Um, I mean, especially, you know, reading it on a small scale on my phone, you know, I read that and I was like, oh, wow, it went off with no complications? Okay. And then the next thing I see after the paragraph break is him laughing and then, t- you know, fourth <laughs> wall break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you can you imagine if it went well? No. It, the, the Water Mage is my fucking mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course it didn't go
0: well. This is this book
1: you're reading. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah.
0: That, that, I, don't know, was- I mean, it
1: definitely... Was my most recent laugh out loud moment. So
0: cool. Yeah, it was great. I I I don't know. I guess I should not have been overly trusting like that. But I tend to just trust people when they're telling me things,
1: especially when they're the fucking narrator of the book. You know. Well, it's not often that he just outright lies to us, right? Hmm. In fact, this might you know unless I think this like I don't know if this counts as a lie because he's he's joking at us, right? But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think that he. Uh, he doesn't do this very often. So no. for the most part, I read what he says with no uh, lens of can I trust this, right? Yes. I think it's probably the first time this has happened, actually. Yeah. And it was yeah. hilarious.
0: Right. It was perfect. I just like I always like when they turn around and talk to you.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: So uh, he is talking with his mom and just kind of nonchalantly says, "Yeah, I talked to some dragons, like like it's no big deal," uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I guess he's just sort of a badass now. He's like, "Yeah, this is this is my life. I talk to dragons." Uh, but then we get a lot about him and his mom and his life growing up in that household, and I I mean, there's I don't know if there's a lot to say or not. a lot. Like I summed up the whole thing as mental illness sucks, frowny face, because it does and it's just really fucking hard for June and I feel bad for him and, but yeah, mental illness
1: sucks, man. Yeah. Like going through this, uh, I had dozen plus comments about how much his mom sucked and, um, you know, holy shit. Can you believe this? Like what a monster. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh yeah, she has bipolar disorder and, you know, it wrecked her life. I'm like, well now I feel bad and now I'm sympathetic And frankly, I should have just started in that stance anyway, not had to be moved there just because I learned that there's an exaggerating circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. It was, uh, part of it is, some of it is over the top. Like, okay, even with the mental illness, like, I feel like you're a bad parent. Um, Definitely a bad parent. Descriptively, you can be a bad parent and have it not be your fault.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, yes, she has mental illness, so like maybe it's hard to, I don't know, assign culpability or whatever, but yeah, she was absolutely a terrible parent. Having mental illness is one of those things that can easily make
1: you a bad parent. Yeah. And that's nothing judgmental about the person, you know, it's out of their okay. control. in the same way that somebody with one leg is probably not a great sprinter, um, yeah. you know, without a prosthetic, right? Right. They should, yeah. should go on and off for prosthetics. Cause that's one of the things that the, I know, I know somebody distantly who had, bipolar disorder and um part of what you do is you know you're feeling good enough for a while like i don't need these meds anymore and Mm -hmm. it turns out you did um Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know and his dad sucks too and i don't think he has an excuse other than you know happening to have married somebody with mental illness that he didn't understand yeah um so
0: i mean is that not an excuse especially if he comes from like a culture or yeah i guess i I was gonna say time period and Part of the country, but yeah, altogether, that's just culture where he comes from a culture where that isn't really taught or recognized. Like, it's not entirely his fault that he doesn't recognize this mental illness and know what to do with it.
1: So they're both just a bad fucking match. Yeah, but I don't know if you still have to, like, I don't know, be an asshole to your kid. Um, but he's stressed and the circumstances are hard on him too, whatever, whatever. Um, I definitely think he could have been a better person. Yeah. Anyway, it. This since this so nicely ties into, I mean, we don't know, for example, that this that this version has bipolar disorder, right? But right, um, she acts enough like his Earth mom where it seems distinctly plausible. Yeah, and so let's just go ahead and pretend that these that these people are just like his Earth parents. Uh, I remarked a lot at the beginning of the story, like you know, sure, maybe his family sucks, but everyone would miss their mom and dad. You know, mm-hmm. like okay. I I can see now that um maybe not everybody. Yeah. You know, it would still be weird not to think of home. Like that was still, you know, whatever. But um, you know, it doesn't matter if you burnt all your bridges, you'd still be curious, like, is is my home real? You know, what happened to it? Um mm-hmm. But yeah, his his family, you know, his mom during one of her depressive episodes when he was like eleven, or no, I can't remember depressive or manic, I forget which one it was, but like he stayed with her and like tried to keep her chill cause the dad just bailed for the weekend cause he couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I wish I never had you, you know, like all yeah. this terrible shit. And, uh, anyway, lots of baggage. Um, it's we don't, shit. I, yeah. Like I said, reading through it, I pulled out a lot of stuff, but I don't think there's any point in grabbing any of it. Um, like as we go or grabbing it as we go through this, but like yeah. a lot of like calling him a liar, even like now, mm-hmm. um, or like not believing him or kind of being like, remarkably belittling you know in a mm-hmm. way that like i wouldn't imagine anyone could get through their life talking to people like that well uh, um,
0: you can very easily get through your life
1: talking to your kids like that because they're fucking small what are they going to do about it or talking to your family like that you know uh doesn't have enough to be your kids because you know your family has to hang out with you or whatever Yeah, um, but it's i just don't get like okay so she's like extra mean to her son well that's not cool um, oh, no. so anyway I. Uh, let's let's push through, but there's, I I get why he's got uh, parental baggage. Oh, yeah, tons. Uh, But speaking
0: of that parental baggage, he does say that on Arab, his parents, uh, his June Arab's parents divorced when he was relatively young, uh, which he says seemed like a godsend for Arab Juniper. And like, yeah, seriously, some some people just shouldn't be together. It would be better if they weren't for everyone, including their children. But anyways, as he's saying, uh, but I had to wonder about what this was like there were only so many things you could change around after all, before you ended up with a radically different person, which I think that's like a really good point. Cause his, if his parents aren't forced to be with each other for, I don't know, maybe like a decade or so, he said relatively young, then they don't have all those clashing fights, uh, between them that changes them to different people they young june didn't have to experience them having these fights and trying to you know calm down his mother and act as a peacemaker between them and that like like that is a pretty massive change actually and i'm really curious as to why the dm did made that choice and my only guess is that maybe there was no way at all to realistically keep them together in a world where she doesn't have medication to make her bearable sometimes um, and this is like the whole Christmas carol or wonderful life thing where June gets to see how his life would have been different if a you, few if you things had changed. But she didn't seem like all that different either. Like, I, I, I'm a little befuddled by this move on the DM's part, unless, you know, uh, unless he just couldn't figure out a way to do it. And he isn't super meddlesome.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm glad you like to me, the part that jumped out was like, there are only so many things you can change around before you ended up with a radically different person. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the part that I focused on when I read that, that paragraph, but you're like, why did you have them get divorced? And like that, actually, that's, that's really interesting to shine a light on. And I, I don't know.
0: Um, I think it's kind of a clue that maybe he isn't as meddlesome as we keep thinking. Like maybe he has very big interventions sometimes, but like with this he's like there's there's just no way I can do this without jumping in and forcing them together constantly, and I'm not willing to do that. This is just the way that these characters are going to play
1: through this version of air but this run through it's possible. I mean he could have given her like slightly less bad um bipolar disorder or something right? I mean, uh, maybe he will on the next run through if there's another one, yeah. I mean, I think that June suggests later down the reading here that it could have been so that his mom could would be theoretically anywhere on the planet while his dad would be in spore sand waiting for him. So like the OMG, here's my parents quest would kick off whether he went to, went home or not. Um, mm-hmm. But she could have just been traveling for work. You know, Yeah. there's no reason they, they that the divorce had to happen. Yeah, I have no idea. That's interesting. Um, I And then of course- you know, you're right. That would radically change who they are. Like June had to be close enough to the Arab June that all of his friends feel the same way about him here that they did on earth. Um, yeah. but he had a presumably less shitty upbringing. Um, I,
0: maybe something else came in to compensate for that, to make it more shitty again.
1: And, you know, I guess it's not like, you know, everything magically got better with, with them just cause they weren't married, but it did stop at least their fighting or maybe mm-hmm. lessened it. But, Yeah. At the end of the day, though, like he could have the DM could have changed literally everything about, you know, his parents lives or whatever, and then Mm. just made them the same people that they were on Earth because he wanted them to be that, you know, the same way that like he might have rewritten history to put perfect armor in Bethel 500 years before Val got there to wear it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it 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 could could be be stuff like that. Yeah, June's
0: warping into this world now. Going to alter these parents immediately to be like what June's parents were like.
2: Yeah, who knows? Yeah.
0: Maybe you we'll know. find out. Maybe we will. So his mom is talking about uh, how she dealt with being herself, uh, this mentally ill person. She no, she's, talking,
1: co- she's talking about water magic. Obstensibly, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, which is a metaphor for being uh, depressed.
1: See, I uh, felt all clever when I figured when I was like thinking along those lines and then the book spells it out. And I was like, well, at least I'm vindicated. Um, Yeah. Well, you were, you totally were all clever and that's awesome. (laughs) But yeah, uh, sorry. So
0: grab, grab the quote. (laughs) She says, you cope with it. You surround yourself with people who understand what it means, or if they keep not understanding, you cut them out of your life. And my question was, is this good advice? Because, on the one hand, I think it's necessary sometimes. Uh, I've basically removed my brother and my sister from my life, although like not entirely, especially now my sister's come back in a bit because she's a bit better and she has uh, kids. But I mean, I know sometimes people just have toxic family, which they have to remove from their lives. Um, but like it, on the other hand, it also sounds like what she's saying is try to surround yourself with enablers, like something that happened to a friend of ours where they were being exploited i think by someone with some serious mental illness but they're just such a nice person and such a good person that uh they let themselves be be used like that so i don't know maybe is there is there some kind of like middle ground i'm not seeing or is it a bouncing act where you you cut people out of your life for your own mental health but uh but people who fundamentally like a couple that just fundamentally cannot function together shouldn't force it either
1: yeah, I'm torn. Like, I guess it depends on how you read what she's saying. Like, yeah. if it's understand what it means, you know, um, or surround yourself with people who understand what it means, um, like, the only way to understand it is to be there, right? Yeah.
2: Not necessarily,
1: like, I guess you, you can you can understand it in part without having to experience it yourself. Um, like, I figured, you know, my first read, or like as, as I was reading through this, like without pausing to think about it, I'm thinking, okay, so water may just hang out to hang out with each other because it's stressful and they get how each other's stress works. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, if it's, if it's straight up, just like, you know, whatever mental illness, like if that's the case, I think it's explicitly bad advice. Um, yeah. You know, June's mom is not held up as like an icon of someone who handles their mental health properly. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, mental health, issues or not. Like if people suck, you cut them out of your life. Right. To some, you know, within certain parameters, you know? Um, but what am I trying to say? I guess it depends on how, what, what the bar is for cutting them out of your life. Um, or what the, what the, what the threshold is. Um, that's a good way of putting it and how tightly you insist on surrounding yourself with people who understand what it means and what that means. Right,
0: because like if you're if you're a junkie, you're probably going to be surrounding yourself with other junkies who understand what that means and are sympathetic to your life, but also very enabling of it.
1: Yeah, that's that's an interesting um, comparison because I feel like, and you know, it varies from person to person and from mental disorder to mental disorder, but or mental illness, however you put it. But like I feel like if you have if you have a drug addiction, you've run into very few drug addicts who are like, this is awesome, right? Or not even like this is awesome, but like, uh I don't know. What am I trying to say? I don't know, say? man. There's there's some drug addicts that are really into their drug and think it's a great lifestyle. Eh, maybe. I've yet to meet one. Um but what was I gonna say? Oh, I guess that I don't know if you get a bunch of depressed people in a friend circle, like are they gonna be reinforcing each other's depression? Like, in the same way that, you know, a group of people who all like uh pills are gonna, you know, move in, move in together and share pills. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that lines up perfectly, but uh, I feel like I if I had a train of thought I've completely fallen off the rails and I can't remember <laughs> where I was going with this. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I whatever whatever June's mom's the device was, I'm gonna take it with a big grain of salt. Yeah. Just because I, I feel like she failed to put it nicely. Or to put it Mm -hmm. straightforwardly. right. So I'm I'm not going to take her word for it. She basically abandoned her family. Yeah. So
0: that sucked of her. Yeah. Mm. All right. Oh, well. So we get to the part where where, uh, it is explicitly revealed what you were thinking. And I think it's pretty damn cool that you had, you know, come to that realization on your own beforehand. uh, Where June is thinking about what water is and what water magic is. And he says, water is weight water is obligation water is the things that pin you to the earth in ways that you can't escape it is the bottomless ocean and the the clouds hanging over your head it's depression and i really like that i thought it was really cool and poetic to have it said said that way um it's also a thing that normally isn't said directly in in fiction it's like the reader is supposed to infer it and then feel smart about themselves cuz they figured it out and <laughs> And, the, like, the, the, seriously, that, that's the point. It, like, it, it it tries to be more subtle, and, uh, and it's kind of like a, a game back and forth between the author and the reader, but uh, also doing that sort of thing takes a lot more time than one can get in a single chapter. Like, instead of saying, water's weight, water's obligation like we would have to be with June's mom for a number of chapters where we saw the examples of water acting as a weight upon her and as this obligation she can't escape that's always dragging her down and you know that takes that's good writing and all but it's also we don't really want to get wrapped up in June's mom here this is this is a thing about June and so i guess it's important to just spell it out in in this sort of small aside since we're not going to be focusing on the metaphor. Um, But, you know, also it's a very meta book. So unpacking the metaphor might be kind of on brand
1: for it. That's a good point. It is meta. And I mean, the thing is like, if I was reading this the way that I usually consume books, which is to say, I'm not stopping every three sentences to take notes. um, He could have said that entire thing and just not said the last two words saying it's depression. Mm-hmm. and the metaphor probably would have gone right over my head mm, um, okay. or at least there's a good chance it would have. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, he found some way to tie it to his own feelings. It's probably what I would have thought. Right. Um, yeah. it It's hard to say. Cause depending on how fast I was reading this part, but um, like I was thinking a bit earlier about, cause I think it was when she was talking about uh, what, what water felt like. Cause she's like, we'll feel the water. And he's like, I don't feel it. She's like, well, then you can't do it. Cause you suck. Um, yeah. and she, he's just like, what's it feel like to you? And then she's like, well, it's like a pressure, you know, it's, it's not literal pressure, but it has weight. And then she says, sometimes it's oppressive. It's not like the other senses. Um, and so that's where he, uh, he gets through like to understanding it himself. Um, but the, Oh yeah, so I guess the thing is, is that the way he describes it, because I think I'd even put this in there, like in my notes. I combined them for this thing on the show notes, but um, like this isn't how depression works in my experience. For me, it's less about like this bottomless ocean and this crushing weight, and more just about like it's always cloudy, and you completely forgot that it was ever not cloudy, Mm. and that comes with like, oh yeah, colors are less vibrant, and you know, there's just less energy around um yeah because it's been overcast for 20 years um so but but i'm told like my luckily my stuff's pretty like mild you know it's more like uh anhedonia which is the fancy that that's the the non-pretentious way of saying that is that it's like just not happiness um Mm -hmm. but it's mostly managed now so you know i'm doing good but uh shout out for taking care of your mental health but i am told that more severe cases of depression is actually the more crushing stuff that June's talking about. Um yeah. and you know, what's a bit of levity here, um she's his so he unlocks water magic with that thought. Um mm. and his mom's like, What are you what in the world are you talking about? He's like, just trying to make sense of stuff. It's nice if you look at things different ways, you can jar something loose. And she says, that isn't how it works, Juniper. And I'm like, apparently mm-hmm. it is June's mom, because yeah. <laughs> it actually worked. <laughs> God, she is the worst. It's. I just wish that she could be proud of him. I even put in there, I was like, how is she going to feel when he gets better than her by the end of our training session? I bet it's not mm-hmm. going to be proud. Um, <laughs> and how dare you? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. he does get water magic unlocked. And yeah. the most... I think a candidate for the most underwhelming perk that he's earned so far in the story. Uh, I don't remember what it is. <laughs> he can basically intuit the
0: weather. Okay. That's so, it. So he's like a, he's a weatherman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're I mean, supposed to be kind of crappy at the low levels, right? Yeah, but it's, it's like. And it's already uh, kind it, of a weak, crappy magic.
1: It's Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> although at level 20, he gets a perk that essentially, I think he can feel. More like subtle bodies of water, including bodies of water that exist inside people. Um, yeah. so, so I think that was it, a perk, that was
0: just like a, a, a you know, outgrowth of him getting to that high of a level that he started having more sensitivity.
1: Oh, you, you might be right. Um, okay, yeah, I think I think you're onto something because I don't see the exact perk for the or the text for the perk. Um, mm-hmm. then yeah, in that case, he just gets you know, like, uh, some games it's not like a mini map, but you get like. A little bit of like a red radar where like an enemy is coming in. Yeah, yeah. He'll be, he'll have that that. next time he's dungeon crawling. Yeah, that's a good point. That's going to come in handy actually. Yeah. Nice. Because the minimap option is permanently disabled.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, water magic seems like it's a pretty, pretty weak magic overall. He has incredible range apparently, which helps compensate for the fact that you can't really do anything at any sort of human scale. It's, It's very large scale and across, you know, wide swaths of terrain and still kind of slowly affecting the weather stuff, which it's not nothing, but it also like wouldn't be very applicable to him. It'd be more of a thing that you want like a city manager to have. And like, honestly, it it felt when he was describing it felt to me like kind of one of those SimCity style games where you can like set large policy things, but you can't go down and individually assign different people
1: to different jobs and i thought you know that's that's kind of neat that's a really good comparison i had, i hadn't thought to make it that way but i like that so it says that they they struggled to do anything on the scale of a person mm-hmm. or even in, in in or even an individual building mm-hmm. and i just want to point out that struggled doesn't mean can't hmm.
2: you know, it,
1: if he puts his mind to it i think with a can do attitude he can su- he can successfully bloodbend a person
0: <laughs> i really <laughs> doubt it
1: I I mean, you're telling me a level hundred blood mage can't push around the water. You're telling me a level hundred water mage can't push around the water in a person.
0: Well, okay, sure. At level hundred, you're right. He probably could. Yeah, at level hundred, you can do almost anything.
1: He'd better be able to. Yeah. Um, That said, you like so this. I I really like you thinking like as a city manager because yeah, totally. Um, I. But then I'm thinking, well, if you're if you're like leading a siege or even just helping siege a castle, right, or a or Uh, an area.
2: Just oh yeah, put that on a be permanent drought,
1: yeah, or a permanent flood, whatever we least convenient <laughs> for them, right? Right? Yeah. So you know, moving water at a large scale could help in those, but it seems like if water magic was that dramatic, it would already be involved in world conquests. Yeah, right. It's probably not going to help him much with the dragons. Maybe make their flying difficult conditions a little harder. Yeah, but given how that three you know i guess she was a little smaller but the 250 foot wingspan dragon was able to carefully and definitely pick up uh, you know 10 muggle sized books yeah. um and move like a cgi character with no weight i'm thinking that like some buffeting winds won't really slow them down <laughs> but yeah and their 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 cheating eyesight will help them see through any rain or whatever but you know if, if he could uh control the wind like you know through controlling water density i don't know exactly how wind works because i keep forgetting to look it up and understand it but um you know it could be useful sailing at sea um there are there are apl- uh, applications of it yeah yeah i think wind is mostly due to temperature differences yeah but it's like temperature changes like you know 150 miles that way um yeah yeah but it's not clear to me what changes the temperature over there so quickly that i get 60 mile an hour winds right uh dragons man flapping yeah. wings yes there'd be dragons or here yep. be dragons. Yes. Uh,
0: it, it is nice that he, despite the fact that his mom is kind of a bitch all the time, he's still like bearing through it and trying to be polite to her. And, uh, he says, I've been trying to do the things that I should. And I, I think it's nice to see him trying because he did kind of mention, I think in the last episode, I made fun of him. Like, have you been trying though? But like now that we actually see him trying, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess he is trying. And that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. It was a nice moment. Um it was uh oh yeah cuz she was like you could have called or whatever. And on the one hand, like sure he could have if he was him and he knew his home phone number. Um yeah. but uh then she has to be like you never really were good at even like sending cards to your thinking your grandmother or whatever. And rather than him engaging on that, which he totally could have, he just he said what you said. I've been trying to do the things that I should. Mm-hmm. And she could have doubled down and said, well, you, you know, you've been shitty at that, but she says, I know I can see that. I'm sorry. And, uh, it was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad she apologized. I put parenthetically for once in her life, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause I'm assuming she didn't dole these out once a year. Uh, but I think then they share like an awkward hug and, or like a less awkward hug and he's like, you should get out of here. Like there's dragons. Shit's dangerous. Um, but this also definitely substantiates the like airbiz therapy hypothesis. Oh, it's definitely one of the strongest examples. Yeah. Yeah. Like he got to like, have a heart to heart and settle, you know, or not wipe the slate clean, but bury the hatchet with his mom. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. Definitely big score point in that one. Yeah. So his mom left. Um, June confirms what Stephen strongly suspected already. Amaryllis didn't know that the instructor was going to be his mom. Yes. <laughs> I would have been like- shocked if the Amarils had known and not told him beforehand. Me too. I mean, he says, you know, I figured trust but verify, but uh, I did like that he qualified. He said, uh, my air mom, naturally. Not my real mom from Earth. Close enough mm. that there are only a few tells. One of them being that she's you know, a water mage. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's a big one. I'm glad he's still got a sense of humor. Um, yeah. And I had to pull this out because I had a good Dark Lord thought when I was reading this. Mm. He says, well, I tried my best to be mature about it. I can't change her and holding on to all that stuff from the past never really seemed like it would do much good. And I'm like, dude, you can change her. You've got the power. You've got soul Uh-oh. and spirit magic. You can make, you, mm. I'm sure that's the path to ther- path of therapy the DM had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: soul fuck all the people who you think are suboptimal in your life into what you want them to be.
1: Right. You know, It's you, don't fix yourself, fix them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe this is technically all therapy for them and whatever changes he makes is going to be trans- or teleported back into
2: Earth.
1: There you go. That's the implemented on the Earth
0: layer. Yeah. Mm, but but probably not. But probably not. Yeah. But that'd be something. It'd be cool. I'd read that
1: book.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: Maybe
1: we are. If it was re- knows? Oh, good point. All right. Okay. Because you mentioned the powerlessness thing of sitting next to a dragon mm. and he's telling Amaryllis, he says, okay, so I've been thinking... I'm powerless in some ways, relatively speaking. I'm gonna get knocked down, there are gonna be these giant monsters, these tidal forces that are gonna be literally impossible to beat. There are things things are going to happen that I couldn't possibly prevented, or that I could have but didn't. And honestly, it sounds like maybe learning waterbending is helping him articulate strategies for handling his depression. Like the the analogy might be um I don't know what you call it, like an analogy that's like literal. Uh, you know, the better uh, he gets at bending, the more equipped he is to handle depression. Um, yeah. But it, I don't know, this is the same kind of language he talked about when he articulated what it took to unlock water magic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I don't know, seems translatable. I'm going to just keep my eyes open for that stuff.
0: That's pretty cool. I I didn't think of it that way, but if, if he does start learning water magic better and starts handling his depression better, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. I think he's going to have to use a lot of water magic for that to makes sense in the story uh, because otherwise like how would he make the connection between the two yeah that's totally fair
1: but maybe he'll be doing a lot of water magic here i mean mean, they are on a
0: tiny island in the
1: middle of the sea yeah i sort of think this would be like a background thing he's doing all the time to make the weather less bad or something but cool um, oh yeah that would be cool you know i think just as his level goes up uh maybe he'll be better at managing his depression but it's honestly he seems like he's been handling it pretty fine for a while so
0: yeah he has. He's definitely been getting better. Yeah. Okay. Well, he does mention the thing that everybody was thinking about, the game rules, since his mom's the one that ran off with them. It turns out she burned them. And I'm really conflicted as to whether it's okay for me to be mad here, because I am mad at her. Like, that is a huge dick thing to do. Like, she didn't even just, like, throw them out because there were a lot of pages and it was heavy and I move a lot. Like, she... Burned them, which is a symbolic gesture of anger at, I don't know if at June directly or at his game or the notes or whatever, but like for some Dick reason, she burned his notes. And I guess that's just his mom. And sure, I know she's got mental illness, but I'm still kind of upset at her for being such a Dick.
1: Yeah, that was a heavily Dick move. Um, you know, I don't know. I,
0: I it's because they represent so much labor and love
1: and interest from her son, you know. Oh, that's that's that was my main thing. Is like I'm with you. I could understand like stowing them away, or even you know, uh, even tossing them out if she's you know just done with moving or you know done moving them or something.
2: Hmm. But
1: to symbolically go through the trouble of burning them, which I think even for a water mage has a non-negligible chance of like burning her fucking house down. She hmm. went through the trouble of doing that. Uh, to the to the probably singly most important artifact that he, that her son cared about in the world, yeah. you know this thing that he labored over for years and years and created, um, yeah. and I, I think it's okay to like you know if someone's if someone's uh, struggling with mental illness, I don't think it's like impossible to be mad at. I don't think it's like unreasonable to occasionally uh, feel. Like you, like you're allowed to be mad at them, right? Um, mm. once you feel, once you view everything properly, you realize like, oh, you shouldn't be mad at anyone ever because no one's in charge of their lives. But until you become that level of enlightened slash, and darkened, um, <laughs> then like, no, it's you know, uh, if the neighbor's dog bites me, I'm gonna be mad at the dog, you know, at least for a minute, you know, mm-hmm. like that's just a perfectly human response, um, yeah. But June took it well, and so did Amaryllis. Um I could see,
0: you know, come to think of it, I could almost see her, like, doing it after she, he got thrown into the exclusion zone. Like, oh, my son is dead, and in mourning, I am, like, doing a ritual to, to, to consign these ashes to history or something. But, like, we would have been told that in the text if that was the case. We're just, like, say, we're told she burned them. And that very much makes it seem like this wasn't a letting go of her dead son thing. This
1: was a, she's a dick thing. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, mm. It didn't say that she burned them when she thought I was dead. Cause it was too painful. That's what she would have said. Right. Exactly. Uh, she, yeah. she burned them because her, you know, her shithead loser son went to prison for s- reasons that we still don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that was her thinking. I'm guessing anyway. So, mm. but I do like how I'm real. was like, Okay. And she kind of just sighs and waves, you know, the whole notion of a complete rule book away. Water over the bridge, as they say. Um, (laughs) Yes, they do not say anywhere except for this one little group. You know, I love how they still use this phrase. And Mm -hmm. together, we can make this a thing people say on Earth. (gasps) Maybe not everybody, but some of us. The, The cool people that are in the know. I will make, I'll make an effort. I don't remember the last time I said water under the bridge, but next time I get an opportunity to, I'll try to remember to say water over the bridge. Yeah. And if someone corrects me, I'll just say, no, you you guys are doing it wrong. Like, I I never
0: say water under the bridge because it is an ancient saying and I'm not 78 years old. <laughs> but, but I would say water over the bridge. And I think I will probably find many reasons to say that now. Excellent. We've done it. Yeah. Well, not yet. We've oh, yeah. decided to do it.
1: We've resolved to do it. That counts for something. exactly.
0: It does. Let's see how good our resolutions are. Only one way to find out. Yeah. And that's by going on to 172 Respec. Yay. Yes. Uh, We start out by talking about time limits um, because all this stuff is going to take some time. And now they got a deadline they're on. Uh, June says time limits could force the party into doing things that they didn't really want to do just from the fear of missing out or the time pressure involved. And... I, he's got a good point. You can't really argue that. But I, I also think that not having any time limits makes games really dumb sometimes. Like, a lot of open-world games are supposed to be these epic things about world-ending monsters coming to descend upon your plane of existence. And uh, and you gotta go and, and save literally everyone in the world from this. Uh, but I'm gonna take some time out and go find a frying pan. <laughs> it's, it's really okay see i i see this boss coming up like there's there's an invasion happening the next day these orcs are coming but i am going to go and apparently wander the entirety of the earth doing every side quest i can before the final battle that's tomorrow morning uh which is completely unrealistic because how many weeks would that really take in real life and are you actually going to go and go do all the little side quests when the fucking Battle for the fate of the Earth is tomorrow, and yet that is what happens, and it is just really dumb.
1: Yeah, it always feels weird burning many hours, what amounts to probably in-game weeks, you know, like chasing butterflies and digging around and decorating your houses in Skyrim when Alduin, the world eater, is out there working hard to like eat the world right right yeah you're like sure but hold on if i collect all these jewels i get this cool hat and that will look great on this mannequin like (laughs) yeah it It, it just it's like a suspension of disbelief thing um it, it it is
0: it's i don't like suspending that particular disbelief i really i think i just don't like open world games very much unless there's you know some good in universe explanation for why the
1: final thing is on hold, like with Legend of Zelda. You know, that's that's my go-to example whenever I try to think of like an atypical version of doing this. Um, but
0: I really like it, what they did in the first Fallout game, where just like there was a timer, you didn't know about it, and you would get shittier <laughs> endings depending on how long it took you to beat the game.
1: Man, game makers used to be hardcore. There are still some hardcore ones, but I do like that. Um, mm. Yeah, so so Breath of the Wild. Uh, like the reason that you don't go straight to the castle is because you're told you'll, you'll probably die. Um, You Mm -hmm. need to go get the, you know, go get stronger, go do these four big quests and then that'll help. Um, But like, the thing is you're running around and having a lot of fun, like, and you're supposed to, like you learn to snowboard on your shield. Um, Mm -hmm. You play little mini games. And like, if you're really sitting there and be like, Oh, right now, you know, Zelda is in a wrestling match with, you know, the, the calamity like the the manifestation of evil um Mm -hmm. it would be weird to be like taking snowboarding lessons right so wasn't it literally like a time loop situation though where you didn't have to worry about that um
0: i like i never actually played the game so i think i recall hearing this but maybe
1: i heard incorrectly there's one zelda game with a time loop and that's majora's mask there Uh, wasn't
0: like a thing where she and ganon are kind of like paused in this time
1: loopy thing so you don't have to worry it's it's unclear. I mean, so the, like, how much is he creeping out? It, you know, I think it's one of those contrivances to where it's like, you know, the hero has been unconscious for a century. And now, you know, the big bad is starting to wake up just as you do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I I get, you know, I don't know if narratively in the story it's like said and he'll stay there and it'll be fine until you're ready. Or if mm-hmm. there is supposed to be some, you know, fire under your butt or not. Um, Okay, but there is a great time loop uh, uh, Zelda game in Majora's Mask where uh, it's a three day time loop where uh, the world ends at the end of the three days. So you've got to start over. Um, Mm -hmm. That's pretty fun, but different. I got to play that one at some point. You know, I think the only way we'll have to be able to do it is find some kind of remote that will let you work like you can probably do it with a keyboard and mouse, but I'm not sure how smooth that would be. But you'll probably find an emulator because Short of tracking down like a Nintendo DS or a Nintendo 64, um, both of which are still kind of hard to find. Uh,
0: you well, can't emulators, play this game. Emulators are super common. And I would imagine Majora's Mask has
1: is one of the most emulated games out there. Oh, it is. Or they are and it is. And so is Ocarina of Time, which is arguably one of the best games ever. Um, but I just mentioned that because this is a surprisingly hard game to like actually get your physical hands on. And... Uh, so if you want to play it, yeah, you'll unfortunately probably have to steal it because no one will sell it to you. Um. Oh, man. I really, God, speaking of time loops, I really want to
0: just goddamn pause the entire world for like 10 months so I can catch up on all the games that I want to play and movies I want to see and books I want to read and shit. Because this, this stuff is just keeps they keep making more of it and more time keeps passing. And I haven't played a lot of it yet. Yeah, Horizon
1: Zero Dawn 2 comes out on Friday. And I've not even touched the first one. I will lend it to you, sir. Well, wow. that, that I know, would be appreciated. I know it's, it's it's near the. I mean, I'm I'm all in to you whenever you want. I want you to play it. I know it's near the end of your list. Um, and I try. It's not a very linear story, but it can be if you just like stick to the main quests. Um, then I'll probably. The th- That's what I did with God of War. Nice. The thing is, this is more open world by like a long shot. Um, in fact, it's it's oh. God of War wasn't open world, and this one is. But like, mm-hmm. here's here's the thing. Without spoiling anything about the story, it mm-hmm. it has. An element that i think really appeals to specifically rationalist nerds um, excellent and others but like it's yeah. it's specifically when i realized that that's what it was doing i'm like oh holy shit so hmm. yeah cool well all right yeah I, i'm like yeah I'd, I'd abuse the time chamber for like playing video games and sleeping and whatever right yeah I, totally. i wouldn't be like in there working on starting my own country I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I never really wanted to watch Lost because I tried the first couple episodes and it sucked. But if I have literally all the time in the world, let's see what all the fuss was about. Uh, if, if you did not like the
0: first couple episodes, you will hate the show. I loved the first couple episodes, but the entire show was like that. And, I, you know, it, it gets progressively less good as it goes on. But the
1: first season was the best. And if you didn't like the first two episodes, you're not going to like it. Well, I, I tried watching it with, and maybe I'd like it more now that I've like consumed more media and expanded my horizons a bit, but I tried watching it with Rachel a few years ago and I was like trying to guess. I'm like, oh, does this mean this? And she's like, oh, it's literally impossible to guess at this point. I'm like, well, then what's the fucking point? Uh, like, what do you mean? I can't solve this mystery. Uh, Well, I mean, that was why everybody loved it is because there was
0: a mystery and, you know, everyone was trying to solve it and doing literally what you did. Like, does this mean this? Like, that was the fun. And one of the reasons it kept getting worse and worse is because the writers did not have any answer. And it started to become apparent that Mm -hmm. they were just putting in random shit that didn't actually mean anything. And that's when you lose the joy. You're like, oh, I thought there was a mystery for me to solve. And instead, there's nothing.
1: Oh, you guys were just making this up as you went along, too. Okay, great. Fuck me, then. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. I wanted to grab this real quick. Uh, Cool. Just, you know, we'll breeze past it, because I'm sure it means nothing. But uh, he's talking with Raymer, and he had said, Raymer says, I liked the system, but I liked it because I liked the numbers. The idea that it was, you know, a process that was unfolding in front of us, a clockwork. And June says, a simulation. And Raymer nods fervently. Yeah, a simulation. <laughs> um, i'm sure there's nothing to read into there i just liked the the way it sounded so i think there might be something to read into it but yeah definitely you know ramer's got the whole the computer nerd thing going on i i was i meant like let's breeze past it as a joke obviously they're you know oh, june okay. says the words a simulation because that's that's my working theory for what's going on here he thinks to himself um, mm-hmm. And Raymer's like, yeah, simulation, totally. Not not yeah. because I think Raymer thinks that their world is a simulation, but he likes simulated worlds. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I liked that kind of like uh, fourth wall lean there. Um, and, I didn't I didn't really mean like there's nothing to it. I just thought that it was it'd been yeah, funny yeah. if I was like, oh, I'm sure there's nothing to read into there. So uh, Raymer then proceeds to uh, make his
0: pitch for why June should cut out all his social skills and. At first, like, when I said that, or when I read that, I was like, this is a dumb idea. June needs his social skills, and I enjoy the way he uses his social skills. But, like, Raymer ends up making a really compelling argument for this is how you can break the game. And, you know, breaking the game is super important if you're like June and you want to defeat all the 13 terrors that no one else has ever managed to come close to and become god of the world. So, like, I don't know i think this is i guess this is a good idea raymer makes has a good point
1: raymer makes raymer makes a compelling point using D math that i don't understand but okay like right now his theoretical maximum is like 20 to 27 or something with his mm-hmm. social skills whereas if he puts them all into to mental and magic he can get those in like in the 400s and so yeah well
0: it's it's the thing where like bigger numbers let other numbers get bigger and they multiply by each other. So like his skills are capped based on his uh, base attributes. And then they're multiplied by his attribute when he makes a skill check roll. And so increasing the attribute both increases the, multiplayer, the multiplier and the number that it gets multiplied to. So it gets, you know, much bigger, much faster. But only if he keeps funneling
1: everything into one number rather than spreading them out. Right, because it's exponential, and yeah. dividing and conquering isn't a viable strategy. Um, yeah, i I get where he's coming from, and I think he makes a compelling point. But I'm with uh, I'm with you that like it seems like I mean, just imagine you know. So like he he internalized the here's how to talk with gods talk that Amaryllis gave him mm-hmm. when he was talking to the dragons. Imagine a zero sosh character talking to the dragons, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, um, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to be a drooling out the mouth. You know, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Caveman. Mm-hmm. Um, after he does his respects so it apparently didn't. You know, ruin him. But yeah, it, it brought uh, him
0: back to his baseline, which is a little shitty. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Raymer makes the point that like, look, you can get bonuses and be better socially. You could might maybe like you know even be one of the top social people in in the world. But like, if you put all your points into mental, you can literally break the game. Like you can do things that are physically impossible. Uh, So what's, um, why not do that as opposed to just being good at something in the same level as any other human could be good at it?
1: Well, I mean, if you get too good, you get excluded. So sure. Yeah. You know, like, there there's the the looming presence of the DM of like, okay, if I do get this good, um, he's gonna step right in and, and change his mind about what I'm allowed to do. Um, well, as long as he doesn't like abuse it too much, I guess. Yeah. But
0: like to you have know, oh, oh, sorry, ahead. go on. No, no, you I, I was just gonna say to have princes and vulnerability running forever for the rest <laughs> of the game is is a bit much.
1: Yeah, I guess that is different than being able to throw bigger fireballs than anyone's ever thrown before. Um, yeah. you know, like at least people can compete with that even if you'll always win. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I um I mean I agree. I think I think Raymer's probably right. Uh certainly he's given this a lot of thought. Um I don't know. I June doesn't seem stoked after you know, while and after he's doing this. And I sort, of, I sort of share his lack of enthusiasm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it. I think a good game should be able to be completed on any build. Mm-hmm. And like if he min-maxes to some absurd synergy, um, then I think the DM will just raise the challenge, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, I didn't expect you to be clever with your uh, respec. <laughs> you know, oh no, what am I going to do? You're going to just have a cakewalk through the rest of your campaign here. Like, no, he's going to keep it hard. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that if June were to like just not spend his skill points that the DM would make the story easy, Um, (laughs) but which you can do that in games like elder scrolls or at least in oblivion and Skyrim
0: because Um, they
1: scale. Yeah. And you don't have to level up fucking scaling. You level up in oblivion by sleeping and you level up in a Skyrim by like going to the pause video and pressing up. Um, Okay. So like you can just play the whole game on level one really easily awesome uh, that's but that's terrible yeah um i don't know so uh what was i gonna say i don't know i at the very least june keeps a couple things to himself um he does keep throwing weapons because it was fun yeah and he does know, something for himself yeah and i am glad that he ditches all the armor skills that he grabbed um yeah you know ramer points out that entad armor is a thing and i don't think he mentions this but he's a fucking still mage right like, I think um, they do mention that, they he's got, yeah, still mage. Yeah, they have to. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, he also grabs tree magic, because who knows what it does? It might not be totally useless. And gold magic, which I didn't expect. And every other fucking magic there is, I think. Except for skin <laughs> magic. He grabbed a ton of them, yeah. So that'll be fun to see all those shake out. Oh, mm-hmm. I think he also didn't grab Pustrel magic, because he, Alexander wanted us to finish reading the story, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, he didn't want it to turn into a body horror story. Right. Oh, he gets ink magic, which I was like, well, that sounds like it's just tattoo magic with extra steps. But um, no, ink magic lets him make low level entads. Yeah. Which I'm sure when you level that shit up, they'll be less low level and you'll get some really cool stuff. It's, I mean, just getting to make
0: what entad you want on the fly seems really fucking cool. Yeah, no, this this seems like it could be
1: one of his coolest magics. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, last thing. He grabs warding, and I don't know why. He already has I... the world's best warder on his team. What is he yeah. gonna try and get better than Grack at this?
0: I I mean the only thing I can think is maybe like to get warder Sight so he can see barriers himself. <laughs> and get one of those <laughs> monocles. I mean But the monocle doesn't work unless you get the warding skill, right?
1: Uh I don't know. Um, it works like Bethel can use it. Yeah, but she's always got monocles inside her. Well, but, I mean, does she have the warding skill? I think so, yeah. I guess she might have to. I don't know. I mean, maybe he could make an end that let him see wards. I, and you're right. Yeah. If he wants to see yeah, wards, right. that, that definitely is helpful. Um, but it also I, feels like kind of a waste of a skill slot just to be able to see wards. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's, it's true. He'll be able to beat Grack, right? He's going to start at like level 42 because Grack is in the 80s. Um, yeah. But it's it's just, I'm kind of just thinking like, you know, why That's would you want to try to be better at this when you already have the best guy at this right here, eager to help? Yeah. It seems like a dumb choice, but eh, I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, I, the fact that he picked it and that everything was... uh pushed so hard by Amaryllis and Raymer, by the combined munchkinry of Amaryllis and Raymer, <laughs> mm. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. Yeah.
0: Or, you know, maybe they just, like you said, we're putting in every single magic because they're like, well, we're going magic-heavy build. We got a spare slot here. Should put boarding
1: in there. Again, if that a
0: Magic, June, what would you like?
1: Yeah, they didn't They didn't do Pustule Magic, so mm-hmm. uh, that works. All right. Thanks for letting me indulge. Totally. Uh, yeah, they also go on to talk about
0: other things while they're respecting in this case, the tongue. Tung? Uh, the Amaryllis is saying that they can't, uh, when, when they're talking about what the dragons want from them, uh, that the tongue can't be seen as expendable because that would erode their view of themselves and lead to a lot of power process stuff that I really want to avoid. And I, you know, I mean... First, I b- want to pull this out because I really like uh, Amaryllis and how good she is with politics. But uh, then she adds, "Obviously, I don't think they're expendable." And June says, "Except in the sense that their lives have less worse- worth than our own." <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're he's serious. They're serious. It's it's a, it's such a hard thing to say, but like I think it's true in this case, and basically if it's true in this case isn't it also true in real life that some lives are just worth more than others and i don't know it's having it like be in in a fictional world where it's so stark what the difference is is like kind of morality warping because i think in real life it's not nearly as big of a thing like everyone in real life is replaceable to some extent and And it it doesn't compare to, you know, the tongue versus Juniper um, situation, but it also, like, it kind of makes me worry about myself that I think that kind of thing. Like, I don't think people are expendable either, but, like, sometimes if you have to make a choice between, like, a random tongue or a random Juniper, it's not
1: really that hard of a choice to make. No, I mean, if you're at war, and you're like, all right, do we sacrifice one of our soldiers, of which we have three million, or do we Mm -hmm. sacrifice one of our six elite generals? um, Yeah. It's the soldier, but yeah. you know, on the human scale of like most of our lives, people aren't replaceable, right? Or yeah, expendable. Yeah. Um, right. It's like, I mean, there's a reason that the stormtroopers, at least back in my day, um, <laughs> were all nameless clones, and mm-hmm. all the armies of bad guys in the MCU, except for Killmongers, um, uh, they're just random monsters, right? Wait, what? What army did Killmonger have? Uh, he had a faction of Wakanda behind him that's right he won like two of the clans over right something like that I just know that he actually had humans with him yeah <laughs> you yeah. know it wasn't four-legged aliens or robots or whatever right um, mm-hmm. so it, it's uh um what was I getting at the oh yeah so like you know the the I think the chutari were the ones from the Avengers movie uh the uh, the first Avengers. Um, you know, a bunch of them die, nobody cares because they all look the same, they don't have names, they don't look human. Like it is what it is, right? Um Mm -hmm. yeah. I and Amaryllis is right here too. Like she was saying they can't and she has to correct, like, I don't think they're expendable, but her first her first thing was they can't be seen as expendable because that would erode their view of themselves and lead to a lot of the power process stuff. Um not that like they can't be seen as expendable because that's terrible and wrong because it's not true. It's like no, because it would kill morale. Um, right? Yeah. I had a quick question. I'm looking at his character sheet after his respec, mm-hmm. and his socials is still at four, and his charisma, insight, and poise are all still where they were. Uh, I think it's that he got rid of the social skills. Okay. But the uh, but I I guess he can't move points around from um, like so it reminded me there's attributes and then like what is charisma it's not an it's not a skill
0: uh um, it's it's yeah it's, it's a trait, one of the attributes right yeah treat attribute well then what's 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 social uh is th- that's the overarching one that has a uh, charisma and poise uh and the other one below it right? yeah insight but
1: i figured like it'd insight, have a different right. name oh, so uh it's, it's like the oh, parent trait. Well, I don't okay. know. I, 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 guess I don't I'm saying. remember like,
0: which one's the yeah, which one's the attribute and which one's the trait. Sorry.
1: Well, I'm trying. i just trying to remember what to call him because I my question is, can you move trait skills around, assuming that traits are physical, mental, and social? I guess he can't move those when he's respecking. I, I suppose he can't since he didn't move them. Um, and he I didn't. Could, he, he also didn't move the attribute skills. I could have sworn that he could though. Or the attribute points. The skills were things like deception and flattery, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he did. Remember when he had the two floating points for a while? Yeah. So, I don't
0: know. Um, It kind of makes me think maybe he got used to this level of charisma and wants to keep it and just like put everything in men going forward because I think he should have been able to, for his respect, take those back and move them around. Especially once he dumped the skills that were reliant on them. Because what was stopping him before was that the uh, skills had already got up to the point that uh, the Treat level
1: required, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll wait till the next time we see his character sheet or maybe somebody in Discord can straighten this out for me because yeah. I don't quite get what happened here. Um, all right, I don't want to hold this up too long, though. Um, okay,
0: so uh, they're they're talking, yeah, about um, individuality and, and all that. And uh, Amarilla says regarding Bethel that I would carve out her spark of individuality with a conceptual knife for all I care. And I think that's a
1: kind of extreme for the offense in question here. Yeah. I can't remember the full I mean, context of how those came up, but they're talking about Bethel and she was like, yeah, Bethel's stuff was cool, but fuck her. I'd cut her out of the stuff. Right. She's um, basically talking about execution. Totally. Mm. Uh, but she was saying, I think that like, yeah, Kumbh Duna, the house with all of its stuff was great, but Bethel the person, we cut that thing out and then the house is awesome. Uh, yeah. Now, I think friendship protocol probably is to dehumanize your friend's rapist, especially if said rapist isn't human and is only sort of a person. Um, that said, it might be extreme for like the one offense in question, but I think Amaryllis is coming at this, like looking at the aggregate of all of her offenses and how much uh, tiptoeing and mountain moving they had to do to accommodate mm. Bethel's you know raging temper. You know, that's a good point. I think I was
0: probably anchored by Bethel's comment of for this one thing, and I think someone in the Discord, probably Wes, pointed out that, like, it wasn't just this one thing. You've been a tyrannical so- a psychopath for the whole time. This was just the last straw. And, I, yeah, you, you make a good point that it was, it's probably not for that one thing. It's for all of her evil, villainous, violent behavior put together.
1: Yeah. It was kind of like, look, you've been, you know, the list of reasons I've wanted to do this are long and now I've got this giant one, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some analogy, but it's, you know, I've been lending you two bucks a week or a day for the last few months, but then you, you know, or I've been letting you take a dollar a day or whatever. Right. But then you just stole $40,000. So now, you know, the, the check's coming due. Um, yeah. Anyway, June's reply says, no, don't, you know, I don't want her back—not anytime soon. But we can't treat her like she's—I was going to say some kind of monster. But we always thought she was a monster. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, we can't treat her that like she's irredeemable or like something that can that can never be repaired, because that's exactly what would ensure that it can't ever be fixed. Mm-hmm. And that is the response of a true hero and a truly good-hearted person. Yeah, um, and I mean, he—Granted, he—I think he suffered less abuse in aggregate than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um he he suffered a unique kind of special abuse that was uh you know that hit a lot higher, but um he wasn't constantly uh living in terror. I mean I guess he kinda of was. You know, she she more or less showed him the graph of his erections, but like um I don't know, he she she was going out of her way to freak out everyone else where she only just freaked out June by being herself, right?
0: Yeah, she he. You could tell that like June
1: was her favorite. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, I guess while we're on the subject, she was the other companion quest, right? Uh
0: was she the other companion quest? What it was? I think the companion quest was to reunite her with Uther or something. Okay, I will figure out what that was if I wrote it down. Oh, if I didn't, then uh, I know that. Um... Yeah, we got this awesome character sheet made by Keiko something. I can't remember how to say it.
1: Um, and I'm not looking at it, so sorry. But yeah, <laughs> someone's maintaining a good one. I'll look at that quest list later. I guess I should have checked that before asking. But they were talking Uh-oh. about um, companion quests. And- Kekul Luchayims, maybe? Kekul okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the- All right, well, now I've got to find it. And I can't. All right, skipping past that.
0: Okay. Um,
1: uh, companion quests. Uh, Fen, Six-Eyed Dog. Grack. I think Kumduna was the fourth one. and they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we'll find like ears because we're going to Anglican and it probably has to deal with that. And Amarillus says, yeah, it seems likely, unless it's about you and me. And he says, meaning? And she gave an aggressively nonchalant shrug. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the eggplant and the okay emoji and then the, the Lenny, like, you know, sideways looking face. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the companion quest. I guess what would the quest even be? Uh, make Amarillus achieve orgasm? I don't know. Um yeah, that is gonna be a pretty epic hard one. <laughs> that's that's hard
0: mode, yeah. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Um what would it be? Like Mary Amaryllis, true love forever? I don't know. Yeah, good point. I have no idea. Um unless it's right. about you and me. Yeah, I, I think I think all she's trying to do right there is hint at him, Hey, I like you. Um my my love score has been going up quite a lot and uh you know you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we want to do something about that. And June is not getting it because he said meaning. And she's like, oh, well, I, I don't know. Just, just a thought, right? No, no no clue. Yeah, nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. At some point, he's going to realize that Amaryllis is, I don't want to say hitting on him because that implies sexual interest. But Amaryllis is trying to ensnare him in a marriage is the way I would put it. But I have, you know, certain thoughts about marriage.
1: Is You think that's what she's trying to do?
0: Not necessarily get married, but like, you know, what's what's the non sexual
1: version of hitting on someone? See, I'm not convinced it's non sexual anymore. I I'm wondering oh. if uh I mean, she could be doing like the um whatever, the slither way of tying her to him, right? Like she talked about? Yes. Uh, when she when they had their heart to heart in the bottle where she used the phrase endure it. Um mm-hmm. it could be that. I don't know uh if I'm convinced or not, though, um, I feel like she likes him, you know, this could all be a long con, you know, she she is, you know, she comes from a long line of Slytherins. Um, yeah. So maybe that's what's going on here. But I wonder if it's, I, I, I want to think it's genuine. Yeah, me too. Anyways, she lists off a
0: bunch of things that she hates about herself and uh, Juniper's like, whoa, wow, wow, that's a bunch, but you have all that handled because she started with, you know, here's stuff that I have handled, or maybe she ended with, but I have that all handled, I think. Yeah, she ended with it. Um, and, uh, do you have someone to talk to? And, you know, that's, that is a lot of stuff. Um, and I mean, I guess we all have a lot of stuff if we really dig for it. Uh, but I think what Amrealist does is the, the, okay i was about to say healthiest maybe not healthiest but it's i think no no it is it is the most um socially healthy and probably most personally healthy thing to do overall is just keep that shit under wraps most of the time and then like only sometimes let it out because for the most part it's gonna fuck up your life if you're constantly um focusing on all the bad things you have to deal with and how terrible your your life is and your mental health is like for the most part, go about doing things, try to be a good person and maybe just sometimes let out all your baggage. Like when you're uh, talking with your loved one after sex or when you're chatting with someone on a podcast, those those are the right times for exploring emotions. Not, not just all the time. Yeah.
1: I'm, (laughs) I do like that. Podcasting is basically, you know, free therapy for us. Um, (laughs) You know, therapy is also an option, right? Like real therapy, but Mm. for, for many people, um, Mm.
0: I agree. You're going to try to convince me of it sometime soon.
1: Well, I I think that there's a an unnecessarily strong pervasive dislike and distrust of the industry of psychotherapy, where I think it actually does deliver more value than I think many people expect. Yeah. So, like a lot of people will be like, "Oh, you know, I had a bad experience with a therapist, and so now I've concluded they all suck." Um, or some people do that with like all of medicine, right? Oh, I had yeah. a shitty doctor when I was 12. Now I'm just super into homeopathy and essential oils. Um, like, well, maybe so I don't, just had some I don't want to throw the baby business. out with the bathwater, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I guess I do want to push back and say that, yes, I think it can be valuable to some people or to, to you know, an important fraction of people. Um, mm-hmm. That said, uh, people, I do think that is an important life skill to develop that you can compartmentalize so you can do life stuff while carrying baggage, right? Yeah. Like, you know not to say that you should be able to shoulder anything and still go to work the next day. Um, But you know, but everyone has baggage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everyone has baggage and everyone has to figure out how to deal with it while remaining functional. And she's done a really good job of that.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, She says that she hates that she wants to change. She says, quote, I hate that I want to change things about myself, warp my mind and soul into something inhuman. Mm. And I just had to point out that Emerald shares my trepidations on soul fuckery. Checkmate, atheists! <laughs> awesome. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I,
0: I. I. I have also read meditations on Moloch. I. I don't think warping yourself into something inhuman is a good idea. Um. I. I think that it may be. You know. There are some things that you want to change about yourself is probably a healthy thing because otherwise you must assume that you're perfect, right? Although, although you know, she, she's saying that uh, she feels almost like she wants to change so much about herself that she would become inhuman as a process. And that would certainly be a bit scary.
2: Like Heschnell, okay did.
0: To, yeah. It might be okay to try out. If, and, you know, then you can just have it reverse after a period of time. And honestly, Hesnel seemed pretty um, um, functional
1: to me. Yeah, like but he, he talked he, about he himself inhuman. like he knew that he was incomplete. Mm, maybe. Mm. I mean um, he, he did. He talked about like uh he he used phrases to that effect. Um I can't remember the exact uh phrasing, but it was it was something like that. Yeah, but he ended up sacrificing himself
0: for to help, you know, people in in the city that would have died otherwise. I think it was uh it was a pretty cool thing that he did and he wasn't really that inhuman despite what he might have thought
1: about himself. Yeah, he he came back. Uh, or he um he was never whatever. that far gone in the first place. Yeah. yeah anyway yeah and I, I mainly just i had the, the thought of checkmate atheists and i had to like yeah i couldn't couldn't just let that go so
0: no i hear you that was a very good dig and uh, <laughs> i appreciate it it was a nice <laughs> callback to 20 years ago <laughs> yes right um yeah i point to you sir um Admiral says uh in response to his you know do you have anyone to talk to question eventually she gets to no i don't really have anyone to talk to or maybe I'm so delusionally delusionally self-sufficient that I think I can handle it all on my own. And I I know I've said this more than once, but I really want to read this whole book from Amaryllis' point of view at some point. Because she's awesome. Whenever we get a chapter in her point of view, it's like the best thing ever. I think I, I, I just... I think she's a better character than June, I hate to say. Like June's really cool too, and I'm having a lot of fun, but like Amy just seems slightly more interesting to me. And and also I really like stories and characters that are like this that are so like resolutely self-sufficient that um and and determined that it breaks them in the end um i in the tragic version of the story it breaks them in the end and i really like that because i like tragedies but you know it could be a heroic narrative where in the end it doesn't break them after all she she does the shonen anime thing of getting up even though she absolutely cannot get up and that would be even fucking better and i just i I would love to see that and you know I, i don't think it'll ever happen i think the closest where this ever came to be a thing was when um the twilight author tried to start rewriting the twilight books from edward's point of view and that never went anywhere but man that'd
1: be great i didn't know that that happened um i don't know this would be interesting to read from Amelis's point of view the thing is i think it'll depend on what the nature of arab turns out to be hmm. like uh if this all is just a simulation where june is the only sentience here right all of the well, POV chapters right. were written from June's point of view, imagining is right. Uh, like, I suppose. Like, so I'm saying, if that's the case, then like, yeah. what would a story from Amaryllis's point of view look like? It would have to be kind of like a reimagining of the whole thing. Um, mm. But that's that. Maybe there would be some good fan fiction. I, I
0: mean, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo on it because fan fiction. There's some amazing fan fiction out there. And uh, I mean, Alexander Wales wrote some amazing fan fiction. But I just I want to read it as Alexander Wales has written it, and, and I'm sure that'll never happen because he has other things going on in his life, and he's probably done with this project after writing so many fucking
1: hundreds of thousands of words about it, rewriting the same book. Uh, I know. I mean, it would be a different book, you know? Yeah, uh, but it'd be it, the it, same. It would be radically different. But it would be a lot... Yeah, same story, right? Yeah. Same events and no new surprises
0: coming for people. Aside from, you know, maybe amaryllis's take on things. And it, yeah, it probably doesn't sound like fun for him. And that's very important when you're doing this much work on something.
1: Yeah. I liked... Uh, All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we no, both grabbed this, but you, you grabbed a better quote for it. Oh, okay, okay. Then I will uh,
0: read that quote then. Uh, she says, Juniper, you're going to be a god... And when you're there, that's when I'll lean on you. Until we get to that point, we're going to do it the other way around. Because he said he sh- he sh- she should lean on him sometimes. And she's like, no, no, I'm here to be your support. And uh, I mean, th- yeah, that sounds great on paper. But if she breaks before then, then we get something which is even worse. Where there's you know a Juniper with no support right when he needs it most. And probably also a broken Amaryllis that now he has to somehow deal with the consequences of that happening and um that that yeah it emeralds, it, it's important to take care of yourself too if you are one of the supporting struts on the world's most important person
1: yeah I wonder if um like I think that she's just doing that she's saying that so that she can put off talking about it right yeah I mean, it's possible. Like it could be that this is some selfless thing of like, I don't want to distract from your path to Godhood. Cause that's literally the most important thing that's ever happened ever. Right. Um, but I think it's also like a, just a good excuse to not talk about her feelings. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, that's what she's going for. I'm just trying to point out to her from, you know, the other side of the screen that what yeah. she's doing
1: is dumb. I hope she yeah. hears me. I, it seems like she's, you know, she even said, maybe I'm so delusionally, you know, uh, self-sufficient or something like i think she knows Mm -hmm. that like she's got some stuff um Mm -hmm. but yeah we'll see how that shakes out i i just liked how she was like you're gonna be a god i'm like oh we're just saying that now okay yeah i mean we we all knew it but hot damn um all right so this was fun uh he says i hope you see earth someday no no unlock for star magic as yet i really doubt that star magic would allow us to visit but it'd be fun to show you around and she says, well, if you find a way, let me be the first to know. Um, so the idea of an Airbnb going to Earth never occurred to me. Um, I don't think it'll happen. So Okay, why is that? Like, I I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess on the one hand, because there's no one like Amaryllis on Earth, where June body jacked a June-shaped person. Um, yeah. But I don't if- know. Arab seems too much for June. Unless like he's just going to break the matrix and start pulling people out, right? Um, but she has no one to dream skewer on Earth. Uh, no, but you don't necessarily need someone to dream skewer because if
0: it's um as as we were kind of speculating on earlier, if Earth was the a simulation as well, then you can just you know hack the matrix and insert Amaryllis
1: X Nilo into Earth, right? Yeah, totally. That's that's possible. I just it never occurred to me that that might happen, and I am not putting a high estimate on it um okay. but the other reason i wanted to pull that out is because i was like okay fine i need to figure out what star magic is and you said that there were hints so i just googled or i didn't google i did a control after the whole story for star Mage, so i could get mm-hmm. star mage and magic um mm-hmm. and every time they talk about it it has something to do with uh planar uh business you know oh they uther used it to go to that you know lsd fueled world and kill that entity that time on this other plane and uh it so anyway plane travel seems to be what it's used for um, cool and and a plane sounds like plane but i mean plane um right <laughs> so you, you mean it's spelled exactly the same way both ways but yeah, we, we know what you mean <laughs> um anyway so i forgot that he had that and i have no idea what high level plane or, or uh, star magic will look like and that's very exciting and Hell so it occurs yeah. to me that, you know, they're, they're bringing in star mages to dispose Momrath. They're like, we're going to just dump it in the, you know, the the garbage dump dimension, right? <laughs> right. The the trash
0: dimension where your mom comes from. Sick burn.
2: <laughs> so, I mean,
1: could they, could they feed it to the void beast? Would it appreciate the tree or would it just make it bigger? I, I don't think the void say. beast, I don't think the void beast, like.
0: I imagine it doesn't actually consume things in so much as it just annihilates them. So it wouldn't get bigger. It would just have less other things. So I guess proportionally it's bigger.
1: <laughs> because the sum mass of, of the of the multiverse that's not it is less. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you're right. I don't think it'll be like, okay, great. Thank you for placating me, human. You know, yeah. you've bought yourself another year or something. Yeah, I don't think it works mm-hmm. that way either. Especially if it eats entire planes of existence. Yeah, I don't think one
0: little mumrath is going to be even noticeable to it. That's a good point. Uh, June talks about how uh, they, he'd like to cuddle now by using her phrase of let's raise our cortisol levels. And she's like, oh shit, I said that. And he's like, yeah, I think you must have had a speech planned out and then decided against it. And Amarilla said, I did. I, I did, meaning I did have a speech. I just decided that I should say what I wanted. The speech was stupid anyway there wasn't a need for pretense. And I thought that was really cute. And that's how, you know, it's love when you can just say what you want without a need for pretense. Yeah,
1: it was sweet. Um, mm. I, I, until I saw his character sheet again and saw that he still had four social points. Cause he, he's like, well, <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, maybe we could lower our cortisol levels with the time we have left. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, so that's what that's what a proposal for possibly sexual cuddles looks like when you have zero social, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, he was just reflecting her words back to her. That's fair play. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, even though she was, you know, sleep deprived of whatever, it seemed to still come off much less smoothly when he did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing against yeah. him, but. No, he's just got low little social. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it was fine. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm ready Jesus, to move on still to. still got
0: another chapter to go?
1: Well, I think there's not that much to cover in this one, so I think we can get through pretty quick. Okay, cool. Um. Chapter one seventy three passions. Passions. So June regarding passion magic
0: says, "I think it's magical realism." And boy, did that turn me off when I read that because I really dislike magical realism. I think it's fucking annoying. I know and, he defined and, it,
1: but can you define it again for your like in your own terms? Yeah, or his. In my his terms are better and um far
0: more uh, charitable. Uh, I, I would say that anybody should take his definition uh, rather than mine because that just seems like the more objectively correct definition. My definition is that magical realism is what snobby ass people who are, you know, the high class university people, what they call fantasy when they like it because, oh, fantasy is for, you know, the nerds down there playing D&D. They read about orcs and dragons and stuff, but when it's a uh, fantasy that we like, we call it magical realism. <laughs> and and that's why I dislike it. Because I got nothing against magical realism itself. It can actually be really cool. But I hate it because of its fandom. Which are those snobby, lit people that have MFAs and don't believe that that genre is worthy to be read. And I know you're not supposed to dislike something because of the fans. Because if I did, then I couldn't like Steven Universe. And I couldn't like Rick and Morty. But like... I, I Maybe maybe I should just start being less of an ass about magical realism, but the fandom really annoys me. So I'm trying to
1: figure out what magical realism is. He says, it's this earth thing where you take the real world, but you add in fantastical elements without actually getting the work to the level of fantasy, which usually meant that people didn't acknowledge the magic and it wasn't systematized. Um, is, there, is there a popular example of that? Um, personally,
0: um, the one hundred years of solitude is, I believe, the most the er example, the um trope namer, the the definer of the genre. Uh, but I, I honestly, the way he defines it, I think of it very much like a visual stylistic sort of thing. So, like, I would think, um, thinking of a Tim Burton movie or a Wes Anderson movie where the interesting, weird visuals is an important
1: part of the experience is a good um parallel. Okay, all right. I I'll have to noodle on that a bit. I like because when I think when I hear magical realism, I'm like, okay, realistic magic, but that's not what this is. Not um, even close. It is the exact yeah. opposite of
0: realistic magic, which is
1: unfortunate. It's got a weird name then. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: because you know it's real. It's realism. It's something that we lit snobs can read. Oh, but it has some magical in it. That's why isms. it's the magical realism. Yeah, I just. Yeah. But, I mean, it's gotten... Th- that's how it started out, anyway. Um, it's gotten more and more to the point where, again, anytime a... And that's that's the stuff that I don't really have an issue with. But anytime a, a snob likes a work of fantasy, uh, they'll call it magical
1: realism instead. Well, that's uh, fortunately something I've never interacted with. And uh, an unfortunate thing that I'm sorry you've had to interact with. Uh, well, I mean, I, I haven't interacted with it very much. I've just been annoyed mm-hmm. from the sidelines. Yeah, but, you know, you, it's... Uh, it's interesting, like the, like some niche things that you get into, and you're like, oh yeah, but you guys have no idea. Like, th- <laughs> there's this whole thing out there with all this drama, but you know, most people are just insulated from it. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, I wanted to pull this out because he's using he he punches out and he uh, blasts the tin cans off, but then he sweeps his hand, clenches his fingers into a claw, and he cuts divots into a tree trunk. And I'm like, I feel like rage-based violent magic is just ripe for misfires and accidental injuries, right? If he gets stronger, the the angrier he gets. And Grak's theory is actually turns out to be correct that I think it's stronger and he levels up faster. If it's real rage and not soul magic or spirit magic simulated rage, Mm -hmm. um, then like... It's the kind of thing, you know, and this happens, I think, a few times in the book where, like, he's fighting and he's getting mad, which, you know, Mm -hmm. happens, I imagine, if you're in the middle of a fight. Mm -hmm. But typically, like, you put a lid on that so you can keep your head and focus. But he's like, nope, I'm going to keep fueling the rage so I can just blow this guy to smithereens, right? Go in total berserker mode. It seems like it might be super easy to accidentally blow up your friends, you know.
0: Yeah, could be dangerous. Yeah, we'll see could be like i see moving things they must all die and your friends are like oh god no it's a stop
1: (laughs) or just you know the blast turns out to be bigger than you thought you know oh or that Um, that's true because when it's rage passion fueled you like you don't know what's coming yeah Mm. you know and but it it did make me really curious what other emotions like what will love and sadness fueled passion magic do yeah we don't get to see those Sadness would make things slower yeah maybe it does just do like intuitively what you think um you know, slower and cold. Um, yeah. And then love, I guess would be warm and pink, but. Yeah, maybe soft. Yeah. So like, yeah, you push love, passion, magic at a wall and suddenly it's like marshmallow and you can just push through it. oh um, how sweet. I, I, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But fear mm. is the next one he tries. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say he uses fell seed and uh, you, you pulled yeah. that out.
0: Yeah, uh regarding Felseed that he wasn't just monstrously powerful, he cheated. That had been his whole thing in my campaign, and he kind of describes that. And I'm like, you know, that's that's actually really disconcerting because actual literal cheating by the DM, I don't even know how they would fight that. Like the DM controls all the rules of the universe, and if he's just cheating on the fly, that would suck. Like they basically they gotta find some way to to fight the DM then, right? To get something
1: around him to hack the DM. Mmm. That's a good point. So like the cheating he described was that what I'm guessing happens if you're DMing is like you think of your monster and you basically lay out its its bag of tricks and maybe even like pre-roll its attacks or something, right? Um mm-hmm. but then that's it. You don't get to be like, "Oh, I don't think they do this. Well, now my monster can do this." Exactly. Um, okay. So, apparently with Felseed, he did do that. Which, yeah, it makes it sound like that to beat Felseed, they have to... Oh, you can defeat Felseed, you know his weakness. That's in the quest description. It um, is, but then he also... Didn't he say
0: at some point, I don't know his weakness? I don't know what he was saying there?
1: Oh, yeah, he doesn't... He, he hasn't articulated it to himself, but... Uh, Maybe this is part of his therapy, figuring out what the, the weakness is. It could be, but if it is fighting the DM, like, that was the... if, if like. That was what made Feldseed so scary was that, yeah, the DM kept just putting things in his bag of tricks. You know, June did, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, like what would have worked, like- maybe. I, we still don't know what, quote, the Fellseed incident was when, you know, mm-hmm. it happened with his friends. But if one of them had been like, look, you're fucking cheating and it sucks and you're ruining the game and you're a bad DM, um, hmm. maybe that would have kicked him out of it. Uh, so maybe while they're there getting their asses stomped by Feldseed, he can just, you know, yell at the DM like, you're fucking cheating. This sucks. You're bad at your job. Um, yeah, but he maybe already that's knows. That's the weakness. <laughs> <laughs> but I think June already knows that, right? But maybe he hasn't connected the dots, right? Okay. Like, I think I think that he knows whatever the secret is to defeating Felicity. He just doesn't know that he knows it. Yeah. So whatever I mean, it is, it's it's in his head. I don't know if it's if he's dropped it for us yet, but um, it could be something like that. I don't think it'd be as easy as you know telling the DM that he sucks but hmm. maybe it'd be great if it was
0: it's, it's i don't not think clear... it's that easy either because he already told the dm that he sucks several times yeah it would have been nice if it was that easy um, yeah. the dm would be like shit you're right okay <laughs> i'm fixing the world he yeah. just like
1: <laughs> he, he gets smaller like the whatever pennywise and it where they bully mm. him to death um mm. so in the movies uh anyway um I, I never saw the movie, so I read the
0: book. So I, I am taking oh. other people's word for it.
1: Uh, you're not missing out. Really? I, I heard that yeah. the, the newest movie was really good. Not the sequel, but the first one. First one was fine. I, I can't remember. Huh. It was so ruined by the second one, which sucks because it had an amazing cast. Yeah, And it just like every horror moment that it tried to deliver, it just like, it was like, oh, we're a comedy now. And I'm like, well, hold on. Pick a genre. Like this could have been actually spooky, but like you made this really funny. I don't know. Uh, Bill Hader can act with range and I don't feel like he got to flex as much as he should have been able to, but mm-hmm. pushing past that. Um he we don't quite get to see what fear-based passion magic does, but when he smooths his hand through the air, it skips a few steps like it have been overcranked or like the frames have been dropped. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what to make of that, other than like maybe it will mean that like that's what he'll look like to other people if he's using passion magic with fear fuel. Like he can kind of like flit between uh I don't know. I guess I'm thinking like this is hardly the most computationally demanding thing he's done while on air. So this wouldn't cause no. a frame rate drop, right? Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, I think it's more of a a visual aesthetic
0: what it looks like. So that's kind of cool. I guess we'll see I do what I think that's I I especially think it's cool because like that's the effect of the fear um using the fear to boost himself and that almost feels like a a horror movie kind of trope thing to, you know, have jerky spliced um frames and stuff.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. That's how every creepy ghost thing moves. And I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. They they move at a different, like, uncomfortable frame rate. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Maybe he's not, uh, like, maybe it's not so much about pushing fear, like, into the attack. It's about being fearful. Or no, it's about um, being a source of fear, right? Yeah.
0: I, I mean, to me, it feels a lot like passion magic is, like, the magic of the aesthetic, like whatever would be aesthetic for that emotion is what you get. And I think that's really cool. Okay. Yeah.
1: Super into it. Yeah. Because when I picture angry fueled magic, I picture, yeah, cutting, you know, cutting trees with claw shaped motions, you know, like mm-hmm. that's exactly what I imagine. Yeah. Okay. That sounds fucking awesome. He's going to be terrifying if he uh, gets passion magic way up and fuels it with fear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Super exciting. Yeah. So while
0: he is training, the crew is there watching him, uh, commenting, helping. Raven says, there was something the Dungeon Master said in your last meeting, which was that tattoo magic had always been for Everett. And Grak says, it was the most important sentence the Dungeon Master uttered. Uh, There might be stories that are not about you or Uther. And at first, I was like, why is that the most important sentence? But then, like, I thought about it some more. There might be stories that are not about you or Uther. Like, just other stories... In the world that the world's about, and that that actually Greg's got a really good point, like how does that square with the idea that Arab is therapy for June if other people are central characters at times
1: um, I mean, it could have been that Arab was not for June or Arthur for the 500 years gap that neither of them were around and presumably all the time before Uther got there Well, Everett was there at the same time as Uther. Yeah, it's, you know, one reading on that and the way that I read it when the DM said it, because A, it was obviously super important. I'm glad Raven and Grack clocked that as a clue. Um, mm-hmm. But I read it as like, I wanted Uther to have a skin magic companion because one of his, you know, tabletop friends had that. And so I made yeah. it for the game, right? Yeah, that's like, how I read it too. Yeah, it's it's still all about Uther, mm-hmm. but like it it could be, um, I don't know, it it sure would be nice to believe that the universe didn't revolve around one person or a handful of people um Mm -hmm. it's uh it you know it could be that arab is there for multiple people at the same time but then it doesn't make sense like why every few hundred years you'd get some dream skewered kid from earth um do you think it implies that june and arthur aren't the only people that
0: came here from outside arab
1: i mean the speculation and scrutiny school seems to think so right Mm-hmm. Like there weren't at least no no other dream skewered came forward other than like a, apparently a handful of randos when Uther was around just to like establish the myth, right? Yeah. Probably whenever
0: so, Uther's storyline was the I came From Earth storyline. And then yeah. eventually they moved on to a different story.
1: Well, and to help set up like the the Dream Skeward as a fabled thing that can be real so that when June inevitably came around, he'd have an excuse mm-hmm. to go visit this, right? Yeah. Um I, it, I think it'd be hard to have it be about multi, multiple multiple people at once, and it does make the Earth people a confusing thing again. Why you transplant people every few hundred years to uh, make them gods? Um, but I don't know. Um, what was the question? Uh, so if if Air has stories that aren't about him and Uther, how would that square with Air as therapy? Um, mm-hmm. I mean. The simplest, quickest answer is like not everything's about you, you know. Oh, and that's part of therapy realizing not everything's about you. Yeah, why not? Okay, I that's my that's my quick answer. I'd have to think about it some more. Yeah, when we're not two and a yeah. half hours deep.
0: <laughs> okay, well in that case, let's maybe think on it some more later on in the week and moving
1: on to this. Unless you have any thoughts that you want to deliver on it, but that's that's what I could think of really quick.
0: I don't really have any other thoughts about that aside from. Maybe we've been overestimating how important June is because we're seeing this all from his point of view, but maybe there's a lot more sort of like stories scattered throughout that are important to the DM as well. And maybe that's why he doesn't always intervene all that much um, because he wants to, he, he has other stories he's interested in as well. And he wants to watch those happen. Could
1: be. Yeah. You know, especially if it is like a Sims style thing where, you know, he can intervene directly, but like it's clunky and lots of work. And he wants to just zoom out and watch the whole thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, if there are like other stories, you know, like when Fenn went off and won the archery competition, allegedly. Yeah. Like that could have, you know, that, that's like a little story that that happened. It could have been that like if June's gang hadn't been in town, the person who was going to win that, like put a huge bet on his winning and then he lost to this half elf and like <laughs> now he's homeless. He's, you know, family left him. He's yeah. turning into a villain. Like that's a whole other story, right? Oh, that'd be so cool if he comes back as a villain later on. <laughs> the person whose life they fucked over because she came yeah. in and won an archery competition. Yes.
0: <laughs> and he tries to take him down with a, just a non-magical bow and arrow.
1: Right. <laughs> All right uh, we're, where were we here?
0: Uh, we're, we are talking about ourselves and our companions. And Palada is talking about her, um, her infinite cycles of living and how sometimes she realizes it's uh, not worth it. She says, if you get a crappy set of parents and per nutrition, it's better to just kill yourself and start over rather than trying to go through life with severe handicaps. Which, wow, that that sucks. I, you know, I have two frowny faces on that one. Because, you know, it makes me again try to, I always try to relate the fiction to real life, I guess, sometimes. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you even want to talk about this? Do you think it's worth talking about that, like, it seems kind of true that some lives aren't worth living, but also, like.
1: You don't want to say that in public. I mean, some lives suck. You know, there are, there are people who are born who will know nothing but misery and then die at, you know, 2 years old of malaria, right? Um, mm-hmm. like like what if they were like
0: that but somehow managed to limp along for like another 30, 40 years?
2: I don't know. It it's it was hard just to say.
1: 40 years of shit. I think that the important and like inescapable qualifier here is that Paletta gets do-overs. Yes. You know, so like with her, it's like, oh, yeah, fuck this one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's like if you're trying to accomplish something on a groundhog day thing and you're like, oh, I, 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 I sprained my ankle first thing getting out of bed this morning. Fuck it. I'll start again tomorrow. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you, you just shoot yourself and start the day over. Right. <laughs> I um, don't want
0: to go through the next 16 hours. It's a waste of time. Blam.
1: Yeah. Like that, that kind of strikes me as fine, but it it's a different state of I think it's a bigger can of worms if we're talking real life stuff Mm mm-hmm it
0: is because you don't get do-overs and because i don't know maybe things will turn out better maybe they'll
1: find a cure for this thing when you're in your early 20s or something you know that that's the main thing is you know and like i said my my depression stuff has always been mild um but even like in the worst of it i always like i knew that eventually this would be a solved problem right Yeah. yeah and whether that was the distant transhuman future or in two weeks um eventually this this would cease to be like a, a mysterious thing that, oh, sorry, I wish we could help, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Okay, so, yeah. Uh, Raven um, mentions to Palada about this. Like, I've heard these stories before, so I'm taking off now. Uh, you probably don't remember because you were in your 60s. And Palada's like, oh, well, damn. And after Raven wanders away, she's like, usually I don't break out the sob stories. I wonder what came over me then. And I I assume I really relate to Paladin here. I assume you do too because you've said that you have a really shitty episodic memory as well. But like there it is not uncommon for me to learn about stuff that I did uh sometimes years ago, sometimes just months ago. I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I don't remember doing that. Sounds like something I would do." That's that's neat. And it's not even like I'm under the influence of anything. I'm just bad at remembering things.
1: Yeah, it, eventually, you know, you're told about something that you know, you, you were around for, and you have to ask yourself something that only blackout drunks, Steve Urkel, and people with bad memories get to say. Did I do that? <laughs> um, and uh, it's half of that was stolen from a John Mulaney joke. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but the the part that jumped out to me for that was that, um, like, a I wonder how many lifetimes Raven has known palada for or through. Um, yeah and two it's kind of fun that raven knows more about Palada than Palada does uh, <laughs> that is cool because raven's memory of her of of Palada's entire life is consistent right mhm at least for as much yeah. as she was around for
0: and i um, mean she
1: it sounds like she was around for at least two lives and maybe several others yeah You know, and as far as context in that last one about, you know, bad lives, I think Paladar describes one, at least one, where like she was kept in a cage with like her tongue cut out so that she couldn't bite it off and choke herself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so gotta say, that's probably a life that's not worth living, especially if you're, if you're, uh, groundhog daying your way through infinite time, right? I don't even understand why someone would do that. Maybe they're so upset that she
0: took the place of their child that they're like, we're just going to torture you for as long as we can or something.
1: Like, what the oh, fuck yeah. is the motivation for that? I didn't, I didn't even. I just figured it was just some asshole who hated Renee Sim, you know, for jealousy or like, you guys are you know abominations or something. But yeah, it could be a, a disgruntled parent. I mean, i i don't know um yes whatever the reason is i i'm confident that it was not a good enough reason god super fucked up i
0: okay i i was gonna say we got to read the lives of harry august at some point because really fascinating book but uh let's I still keep have tab
1: open from a few months ago so
0: oh really Eventually i'll read it no oh, okay cool um the uh the the palada talks about uh the white
1: whale story that is on air and i had paused in like my my notes there i'm like i really hope it's a literal story of like an actual white you know (laughs) like a big white fish right Mm -hmm. i wasn't entirely wrong
0: (laughs) you were not it is
1: about a it
0: depends on how you define fish (laughs) the uh, she says there's a story about a whale animal animalia trying to track track down another whale animalia a white whale uh, only to find himself perpetually one step behind because he's looking for true love and he cannot find it. He's always just behind it. And uh, when June asks, how's it end? She's like, oh, well, the the ending is whatever the teller wants, maybe different depending on whim. Uh, it mostly wasn't about the end. It was about the journey. And even that was different because there were parts and pieces. And I, you know, this reminds me entirely of the the oral uh, his stories tradition, oral history tradition, maybe, like where people just weren't literate so all these stories were passed down uh word um by word of mouth and that they uh they changed depending on what the audience needed at the time what the the teller needed it was i I think they're really cool and it was nice getting a fictional world example of one of those and it, it it reminded me um because things are always you know the fact that they're always changing and being repeated and the story is said again and again, but it subtle things change. Maybe the ending changes depending on what the audience needs. And it, it just reminds me of superhero stories again, because the, the superhero stories the, way back in the days of comics, but even now would be more so now that the MCU is out and they're becoming a mass market thing. They're like, they're basically the same struggles over and over uh, for these individual heroes. They have like maybe four or five storylines, uh, per guy and and they just keep retelling those and changing small details to fit with the times and it's it's neat how superheroes are the modern myths and then like No Way Home went really deep on that uh, in saying like look it's all the same story but it's all slightly different and that was it was a great freaking movie and I don't know I, I just kind of want to rant for a while also made me wonder if there's any uh, any myths that reference the cyclical nature of myths but I'm not sure if there was a, a, a level of media consumption big enough in the ancient world where people would have noticed that and started making media about that fact.
1: Um, first off, always happy to hear you rant positively about the MCU. <laughs> uh, second off, I can think of at least one myth that references heavily the cyclical the nature of myths. Okay. The myth of one Uther Pendrag. <laughs> Very well. If we had to wait until now to get that myth, you know, um, at least it's here, you know, like it, it, it becomes, it's explicit, you know, he has, he tried to write a Groundhog Day movie or book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I do like that it hits that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't have anything to add. I think he nailed it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, thanks. I, I always
1: like a good excuse to rant. I think you indulge me at least two or three times an episode. And this wasn't even if, if you indulging me is half as enjoyable as me indulging you. Like I had a good time. So by all means. Ah, all right. Well, then
0: the last thing that I, I pulled out in all this is that uh, when Palda said it takes 20 billion obols to kill a dragon, which you talked about as well earlier. And uh, <laughs> Grax says, I imagine that number includes lifetime earning projections of those who died and june thinks that 20 billion would mean expected li- loss of life in the neighborhood of around four thousand people maybe less so out of the entire um force that you f- send up against the dragon you expect at least four thousand of them to die in the process and i don't know i, I thought it was an interesting g- digression on lives and costs and expand expendability since we were just earlier talking about expendability and i don't know i it feels weird like i don't think you can actually capture those kind of costs in a single number but i also get that governments try to make things too legible sometimes and sometimes you have to come up with a number for whatever purpose so that was you know kind of way of backing into how much a dragon kill costs by thinking of how much death it would
1: cause among highly trained elite people elite operatives yeah the way that they ran the math is kind of cool i wonder if that's how um you know governments might run uh, expected military costs or something right but Mm -hmm. you know like if a cop kills somebody and is found uh of is found by a court of having done something wrong um the city or state pays the um the the person who sued the city right usually a family member Mm -hmm. and like whatever they pay them that's what the jury slash judge decided that person's life was worth yeah in a kind of way not quite like this right because um, it's also like sorry for your pain and suffering um it's not like well let's say they made forty five thousand dollars a year they were 38 so we multiply out that until the age of retirement we're right you check for this much like they don't do that um i mean that's that's part of the consideration th- i think that's part of it but like uh it i it certainly i don't think captures all of it Um yeah but I'm i never around for those deliberations. I could be wrong. Maybe it's exactly how that works. But the thing is, like, I'm not suing the city because I I'm missing you know my spouse's paycheck. I'm I'm pissed because this asshole shot my loved one. Right? Yeah. It's not even about the money. Um,
0: yeah. I don't know. And uh, then then the government's like, well, how how do we do this? Right.
1: We like, can't just let you kill the cop who killed him. So, <laughs> would you yeah. like some money instead?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. There was a. Uh, Grack summarizes it well he's like don't pick fights with dragons and yeah. um and june says to be fair they picked fights with me <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. we could get around killing captain blue in the bottle if we could kill off parisev um which honestly i'm assuming like you said if Parasev could kill blue in the bottle um and she wanted him dead she would have done it by now right mm-hmm. uh I think that I think that she's doing it for some sort of test for June, but if she can't kill him, then killing him is a lot easier than killing her. So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to have to kill a dragon at some point, probably. And might as well just, be this one. Just, well, this one actually seems really cool. Um, yeah, she does, you know, I, what's interesting is like, despite how overwhelming it made them seem like in terms of like, oh yeah, they're the best at everything. Um, they still don't seem that scary. like, i i don't know momrath was big and mysterious like I, I can at least understand a dragon when i think and look at it right i personally think they're more scary than momrath because they're because they're they smart intelligent. yeah yeah exactly no yeah it, it's it that's, that should be how i feel but it's not and i don't know okay. why um like i i think it i think it's just a failure of my imagination like that combined with the fact that because Omrath was a stupid hurricane, like, okay, yeah, it's going to rampage and it's going to cause a lot of destruction because it's too dumb not to. Um, the, like, I don't know, the, the dragon attack would have to be directed and intentional, and I just don't see that happening. You think June's
0: Soch is high enough that he can talk his way out of being targeted by them? I don't know. I feel like
1: all the dragons that are smart enough to, like, I don't know, plan and win a fight against him, are smart enough not to because they think they'll (laughs) die and because they're right. And all the dumb (laughs) ones are dumb enough to make a, to make a critical error and get killed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Maybe he's going to lose three companions fighting a dragon. I have no idea. Well, maybe the smart ones will convince enough other
0: smart ones to all band together against him and he won't be able to fight them all. I don't know. It's
1: possible. Yeah. Well, as we usually say at the end of these shows, there's only one way to find out. And that's to keep reading. Uh, I got a question for you.
0: The next four chapters are roughly similar length to these four and roughly the same kind of like material. Do you want to go with four or three for next one?
1: You know, depending on where you think the good breakoff point is, I'm prepared to piss off everybody by saying three. I've got a busy weekend and yeah. don't anticipate getting much reading done, so...
0: I was um, thinking about that. It's I, I do think that we might want to pare it down to three this weekend this week because yeah. it's a big, big week for all of us. Works for me. And by all of us, I mean you and me.
1: Yeah. All, 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 the, the entire uh, cast of the show. Um, exactly. We're busy. Our producer is really put upon as well. Yes.
0: Cool. Um. All right. So in that case, 174 to 176, the next three chapters. And those chapters are,
1: I should have pulled this up at the beginning. So I got this. The blade of the self. That sounds cool. Uh, High concept and Warren's. Cool. Mm, Not a lot to read into there. The blade of the self sounds like a, could be the name of a less wrong post. Um, It does. It doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But other than Um, that, it's a mystery that is what we are reading
0: uh you can support us by uh doing the patreon thing which is in the show notes uh support alexander Wales, same thing also buy his book um as i mentioned before pre-orders and first week sales are ex- particularly important for um public public publicization public what's the thing Pub- where you publicize something publication but no not publication you, you mean yeah. publici- publicize yes for publicizing things yeah. uh particularly important are, are those initial sales so if you know you're going to buy it anyway do that at this point it, it's it's it'll help him reach more people and so you know more people in the world can find out this awesome thing exists and have their lives enriched by it
1: and i just did the one click purchase for three ninety nine. it'll be auto delivered to my kindle on march 1st
0: fuck yeah dude that's awesome so,
1: for everybody, just it's super easy. It's the cost of a cup of coffee. Um, you know, tens of people will if if, if all of you do it, uh, mm. maybe hundreds. Um, then that that could that could boost the numbers. So go forth, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I will say um, do that rather than send in Patreon money this week, just because I feel like this is more like I think less of that money goes to his pocket than Patreon, obviously. But this mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing is a higher priority for this week and next week so yes probably more impactful overall on his life yeah and this is our way of saying thank you alexander Wells, for writing this game or writing this or writing this story this is your game we're just playing it hell yes thank you all for joining us as well we'll see you all next week i love how i get worse at at delivering that like little end phrase every week (laughs) oh dude i'm i'm just i have some kind of brain-eating virus or something i've been getting dumber over the last year i think it's just we need some sleep and better weather but we'll get there. Okay. We need a water mage up in this place. Right. All right. right, Good night,
0: everybody. Mm